been like a non-stop grind with school and yeah. with um you know with teaching and um i kind of make it harder upon myself mm-hmm. um because listen man, the reality is a lot of people go to school again a lot of people go a lot of people graduate um but i took it <laughs> uh, extremely seriously and yeah. you know when i take things seriously i want to do a good job as you should and, and i want to you know, try my best. I think I kind of convinced myself that if I if I would, I'm okay with failing whatever I try, but I would be extremely disappointed in myself if I fail because there was a stone left unturned because I didn't cross my T's and dot my I's and um, you know I put a lot of, I put a burden on myself. But you know, once I started teaching um, in September. And, you know, trying to figure that out. And it's kind of just been a sprint until June. And it's really been nonstop. And once that kind of ended. I'm going all in this house vibes everywhere. She calling more friends, my word or none. I cannot bargain. Yo, you remember on oh, Fairly Odd Parents how Timmy Turner's dad used to sound? That'd be me in there, I swear <laughs> to God. That's me on roller coasters like this, like I swear to God. I get off a roller coaster, I have to check to see if I still have a dick between my legs. Anyway, let's start. Y'all ready? Yeah. <laughs> damn, that would have been a fuck. God damn. Alright. This is. Cause we usually start recording like I'm recording like, now. Oh, we are going. Well, yeah, we're like uh, we're like two fifty in. I mean, so I'm definitely not using that part about ah, uh, fuck it, whatever. About which part? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on, people? Welcome back to the Escape Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Demetrius Williams, aka Lil Hypergamy, aka the Real Estate Chef. How you doing today, Joe? I am doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. How are you doing today, D? I'm doing good, man. Can't complain. We got a uh, a solid workout in today. Hit the sauna a little bit. Feeling good. I haven't eaten yet, but I'm drinking. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, we Still, have a uh, go ahead. we have a esteemed guest in the building today. What's going on, Bruce? Tell the people about yourself. What's up, guys? My name is Bruce. Um, friends with uh, uh, D and Joe. Also a teacher. He's replacing Andy. Andy got fired. Andy got fired. So and, he's Andy's out. at home sleeping right now. I'm in. I made the cut. No, Andy's, <laughs> at, Andy's at home sleeping because uh, long vacay. So I'll be here for this episode. And we'll see if I'm back. Sometime Andy, you're on the hot seat. I'm on the hot seat, Andy. <laughs> but uh, Bruce is also an uh, avid listener of the podcast. Yes, yes. So thank you for that, brother. It yeah, means a lot. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as soon as uh, uh, I found out that, you know, D... Joe, Andy, we're making a podcast. I knew it was definitely going to be interesting. You know, obviously I'm the friends, but uh, <laughs> no. But outside of that, you know, uh, I really like the topics of conversation that they have. I think it flows well. And so oh, I appreciate that. Oh man, Bruce, 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 I've had uh, the lucky opportunity to, even though I have been in the substitution, substitute role as a teacher, 
um, I've got to actually teach and, you know, be in the position of actually teaching and doing all the responsibilities and things of that sort. As a teacher, U.S. history, uh, I did it for psychology as well. Um, and, yeah, man, you know, I love it. And um, I try and I take it extremely seriously. Yeah. Um, because I think, you know, one thing I think about is these kids aren't going to know shit unless I teach them about this subject. <laughs> yeah. and, they, and they may grow up to be one of those kids or one of those people that don't know shit. And, uh, yeah. Now, so, question. So, obviously, we've all been through the school ranks and mm-hmm. whatnot. And I don't want to make it, but you're a substitute teacher right now, right? Yes. Well, technically, I actually just got hired for full time. Absolutely. Yes. Congratulations. You accepted? So, uh, I'm. Wait, you're between 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 other school year. But I'm, I'm definitely secured a position. Yeah. Amen, bro. So as a, a substitute teacher, because mm-hmm. we've all had substitute teachers, you know, a teacher tells you on Monday, hey, guys, I'm not going to be here Wednesday. You go into school Wednesday, like, yo, I got a free period. How do you deal with that? Like, how, like, how do you handle a classroom full of kids thinking like, yo, we got a substitute today. I ain't doing shit. But so, knowing that you, you want to teach them, like, how do you handle that? So um, that's a good question. And, and this will help clarify that, too. Um, even though I'm, cl- I was classified as the substitute, I was their teacher from beginning to end. Okay. So for the history class, I worked with another teacher as I was the teacher teaching and coming up with everything. Okay. And then okay. I transitioned where she left, and I was the only one there. Okay. And nice. then for psychology, uh, <laughs> they never knew their teacher. I was their only teacher they ever had. Really? Uh, so, so it's kind of like an internship? You were kind of like, yes. like, like a long-term substitute? Exactly. Like something happened exactly. to the teacher? Yep. Okay. And, gotcha. um, you know, I never referred to myself as a, a substitute. That's good. I was, I was their teacher, yeah, you yeah. know. Um, they knew, you know, because my name's not at the top of their, their class, but everything else, you know, is all me. So, you know, I would, you know, you have to... Uh, assume the role even though if it's not an official role mm-hmm. and if you assume the role you'll believe it they'll believe it and that's what it is yeah, so uh, it, it is paid dividends I mean because you just you just said that you became exactly. official and that's a testament to how you handled that role and I think that's um, that can be applied to a lot of different aspects of life mm-hmm. if you believe it you'll achieve it you know believe, what I'm saying believe achieve succeed Bruce you got this <laughs> nah but uh, but not nah, like thank you congratulations to you Juan on the job opportunities and congratulations Joe thank you for go ahead and try to make a change in uh, impacting the future inside these children trying to educate those little motherfuckers but um, uh, so you may know um, obviously you do listen here so you probably know that um, we're, we're probably going to get into some heavy topics uh, we like to focus on people's uh, mental health what they've been up to things, that, things like that in the third so I'm hoping to hear your feedback on issues like that um, but yeah, let's get into it. So, um, how was uh, how was everybody's week? Um, D, would you? Oh, excuse me. I'm making my streak right now. So yeah, okay. <laughs> um, no, no, Bruce, go ahead. Uh, how was your week, my friend? Hey, uh, my week was good. Um, you know, I mean, I think the biggest news was coming to the realization that I'll actually be hired as a full time teacher. Yeah. And you're uh, glowing. You're glowing. Yeah, it's been a bit of a, a grind for the past few years, and. I think it was so uh, so much of a surprise that it took some time for it to kick in. Mm-hmm. So you know that's been good. Um, so you know, yeah, hard work pays off. Amen. <laughs> Shout out to Bruce. Yeah. Um, because before I tell you about how my week was, I just want to say that you know, I definitely recognize that teaching is not only uh, a hard profession, but it's also extremely underappreciated. Yeah. You know, having an aunt that was a professor for forty plus years, I, I've seen it. You know, every day there, there were days she literally struggled to get out of bed and still made it to the campus, you know, early to teach. And I, I really think it, it. there's two professions in life that I say you got to be a special type of individual to do. 
One is being in the military. The second one is being a teacher. Mm-hmm. So congratulations to you, man. Okay, congrats. It's uh, I, I not something that should be taken lightly. I appreciate that. And, you know, just to, you know, throw into what you said is I think, you know, one of the big things is that we've all had shitty teachers before, right? Yeah, so we that, right. that clearly oh, don't absolutely. care. And you probably had a couple that were probably pretty good. Literally a couple. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what it is? You have to, you know, I, I do assume uh, responsibility, you know, with that and, and, and a responsibility to what I'm doing. But also, you know, as we get into different topics, you know, I'll relate that to my experiences and how I handle situations. Um, but I take it extremely serious. No, you should. You should. There's yeah. there's two types of teachers. Remember, the teachers that let you do whatever. They're the shit teachers and the teachers that are great at their job. And you remember them because they teach you life lessons and things that you carry with you for the rest of your time. And you're you're going to be, and you probably you most likely are that second category because you take your job seriously and you care about the future and the impact that you have on these students. And again, you deserve all the applause and all the congratulations in the world. This is my fucking guy, bro. Like y'all. Yeah. y'all, 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 y'all Y'all, y'all, y'all don't see the work, man. My, my boy works. Like, I, I, I wanted to have, I've always wanted to have Bruce on the spot. Um, like, even when we were talking about it uh, before this actually came to fruition, I'm like, yo, I got to get Bruce on for some episodes because Bruce, Bruce knows his stuff. And he has like, he has valuable insight on things. Uh, he's good for conversation. And like, you just see in the way he talks about his job and like, he, he takes it very seriously. And that's something to, that's something you got to applaud someone for. I appreciate that. No problem, man. You get, you get, you get your flowers today. Hell yeah. Give, them to, give, give them to the man now, man. ASAP. Expeditiously. Yeah. Expeditiously. Yeah. Salud to you, Bruce. Salud. Salud. By the way, what are we sipping on today, fellas? Um, I'm drinking Angry Orchard. And I got regular ass uh, Yingling. I'm sorry, um, you said Yingling. I just got the regular one. Was, yeah. the, was it the wrong so, one? Uh, no, it was the right one. Okay, <laughs> I, guess, I guess I'll be the white girl today. I am sipping on uh, some Jaeger bombs. But not the shots. I'm making actual mixed drinks yeah. uh, with Jaeger. And, uh, anyway, so. <laughs> How was your week, my friend? Um, my week was good, man. Uh, I recently got back into uh, coaching football. Hey. And, yeah, hey, man, I appreciate it. And um, I didn't realize how much I missed it. You know, I, I coached Pop Warner when I was in high school, and then after graduating high school, I went back to my high school and coached there, and then I coached Pop Warner again for a few years, um, and then this year I was actually offered a, a head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like I was necessarily ready to take it, um, but I'm like, hey, listen, man, I'll come in as a assistant coach, uh, so I'm currently coaching the offensive and defensive lines, and I'm a special teams coordinator uh, for a 10U team in Elizabeth, who... Not just the 10U team, but the defending state champions. So it's not like I, I walked in like, oh, it's Pop Warner. Like, no, nigga, you better go in there and perform. So uh, that's been good, man. You know, that, that's three days a week I do that. And, um, you know, still in the gym every day with Joe and regular real estate shit. So it was a, it was a solid week. I, I drank a lot less last week. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I only drank. Uh, I, I literally I drank one time last week. And I was and I was Friday a few days ago. Um Definitely a big difference. Noticed it in the gym. Um, definitely noticed it today uh, with the workout we had before this podcast. So uh, it was a solid week. And I um, kind of have this this plan laid out to kind of more or less get back on track. and Not, not get back on track, but get to where I know I can be and where I should be right now. Um, but before we touch on that, Joe, how was your week, brother? Week was chill. Work pod, let's get it. Like, we, we was chill. It was a regular, regular ass week. I, I feel you. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, becomes monotonous after a while, man. Like yeah. better than last week. 
But yeah, we got it. Um, I mean, any so, week is any week is better than last week as long as you're still breathing. Nah, bro. Sometimes you have some really good last weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, like what if last week was popping? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're gonna get into it a little bit today. Uh, before we start with that, what do we want to do? Our dick of the week. Dick of the week. We're gonna we're giving to uh, the baby. Oh uh, yeah. I don't know. That's a dick though. You don't, you don't think he's dick of the week? You think he's, he's definitely dick of the week. He, uh, he's always I'm, running for I, dick of the month. I'm gonna go last on this one. All right, so go ahead. So the baby's in a little bit of hot water. He uh, made some homophobic comments. Uh, excuse me, homophobic comments. Um, my man said, if you didn't show up today with HIV, AIDS, any of them deadly sexually transmitted diseases, that'll make you die in two to three weeks. Put your cell phone light up. Fellas, if you ain't sucking niggas dick in the parking lot, put your cell phone lights in the He didn't air. say niggas. He just said, fellas, if you ain't sucking dick. No, he said, fellas, if you ain't sucking niggas dick in the parking lot, oh, put God, your cell phone lights in the air. I'm reading I didn't realize that. And he, yeah. he said this at a concert. Yeah, he said this and at he a concert. Was not not just a concert, fucking Rolling Loud, the biggest festival of the year. Yeah, so um, he then proceeded. He then proceeded to get dropped from um, basically the festival tour. Posted an apology on Instagram, and has since deleted his apology. Shout yeah. out to the baby. Yeah, shout out to the baby. The baby. <laughs> yeah, <he's, laughs> shout out to the baby. Dude, we, we should probably, probably preface that mm-hmm. before we get canceled. Bro, grow the fuck up. This ain't the first time you've been in hot water. You've been in hot water multiple times. Um, what we've seen you slap a woman inside of a club, continuously get inside fights in, at your concerts, outside of your concerts. I've been to your concert. You're a great performer, but uh, you need to chill the fuck out. Like, think about what you say before you say it. You make a lot of money for this shit, and you should be more concerned about the people that you may or may not freaking impact with the words you say. People listen to the things you say, and you have influence. Watch what the fuck you're saying. You're being an asshole, dude. Grow up. Um, yeah, and that's all. That's all I gotta say about it. I mean, I mainly just have a question about it. Do you guys think that you know it's kind of that classic? Any press is good press. Where See, he's um, doing it for an intention. Now he did get dropped, so I will yeah, say that. I, I would. Yeah. But I we're would, talking about him. I would. But I mean, we're talking about him straight negative. Like he got dropped from so many festivals. Yeah. He it, he missed out on bags. And, and that's what I was gonna say. Um, any press is good press until that press starts costing you the bag. Yeah. Um. And in my opinion on the situation is, you know, one. The baby, bro, I said the same thing about Trevor Bauer. You have to have better discernment when you're in a position of power or a position of status as you are. Whether you're in a position of status or not, those are not necessarily the right things that you to say. And if that's your opinion, that's fine. You know, no one can ever tell you what your opinion should be. But to voice it to the point on such a national stage to where, yo, you don't, you might have had a fan that was 13 years old. That was struggling with coming out of the closet, and you're his favorite artist. And for him to hear you say that, you might make you might make a kid want to put a bullet in his mouth. You don't you you don't know who you're impacting when you say shit like that. If I were um, the LGBT community, I'd just completely boycott right. the baby. And, and, and that's and, and that's what we've been seeing. And you know, a, a, applause to the to, to that community for doing that. Yeah, yeah, because no, I know no. if a rapper gets on stage and says, "Hey yo." If you ain't deal with 400 years of slavery, put your lighter in the air, I'm never listening to that motherfucker I'll be like, again. everybody put your lighter down. None of us do. Yeah, exactly. That. So I'm like, you're done. Like, I'm, I'm not listening to you. Um, But, so, the baby was, was a million percent wrong for what he said. And he should have got dropped from those festivals. And his, his, his wallet should have felt the way it's, it's been feeling. Because, I mean, 6 9 is getting half a million... 
Rolling Loud offered six nine. F- fuck that. No, no, but no, no, no. no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm just playing into context. Rolling Loud offered six nine four hundred thousand dollars to perform. So okay. imagine the baby was uh, his bag was two million dollars. Exactly, it was a two, so, a two million dollar, and, and that's uh, what I was getting at. So, so imagine that was one, so one performance, and, and that's what I was saying. So imagine how much money the baby's losing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Um, but also too, so the baby was wrong, 100. percent I'm not defending him whatsoever, but at the same time. If you're inside the LGBTQ community and you want to cancel him, a million percent you're right, as you should cancel him. But if you're not in that community and you're the same person that enjoys listening to niggas talking about what ops they smoked, who he put a bullet in, what hoes they did wrong, blah, 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 whatever, shut the fuck up. Because just how the baby outed and kind of disrespected the LGBTQ community. Bro, if you're some more if you're supporting music that's talking about black on black crime, that's disrespecting the black community. If you're listening I don't know, and, if, you, if you're listening and you're supporting music that is talking about objectifying women and hold this bitch that slut this this whole swallowed that like then you're more or less I'm not saying you're you personally you're disrespecting women. But at the same time, you're not batting an eye at somebody talking about it. So is no one in hip hop should freaking talk shit about so, the baby. Hip hop is as a large is a, no, is a misogynistic and object. It's a culture of objectification. Whoa, it's a, it's a, okay, it's a culture. so wait, wait, hold no, on. it's a culture yeah. that talk that that breeds violence and talks about so, violence and, and shooting people. And it does. And it, bro, and we, we, I'm not we, saying I'm not saying I'm not, to, I'm not saying hip hop doesn't objectify women and does and hasn't made its name. You know, talking about violence and shit. I'm just saying, if you're not a part of the community that was publicly slandered. And you're supporting all this other music. I mean, perfect example. Who I Smoke fucking went platinum in a week. That was a song talking about dead ops. It fucking went platinum. So, and and for the people, that, multiple Wait, people so in that song. You, you listen to that type of music. I do. So you don't care about what the baby said? I do, but I'm also aside from now. Oh, so you yeah, you don't care? No, 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 I don't, no, no, I don't, I don't no, 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 no. I personally, no, the baby, I used to listen from to now, your music the only reason I'm speaking about it, the only me. reason I'm speak, the only reason I'm speaking about it now is because it was a topic on today's show. Yeah. Before today, on my dead grandmother, I have not voiced my opinion. Oh, so then fuck it. But that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like, if if you're talking, if if you support a song that talks about high school is getting shot and killed, and you're bumping it. Don't don't all of a sudden have some morality when a community gets offended. And and there's also sometimes a difference what gets voiced in music, which is this person's quote unquote art, and <laughs> yeah, a, his personal and, and, and an thoughts and personal opinions. So, right. This wasn't a song. So there, he so, just said right. this. Yeah. So there may be a lot of artists who will say things objectifying women or or whatever or condoning some type of right. violence but in their own personal <clears throat> being they don't really believe that no you know? and it's the sep- it's the separation between reality the and the art and the artist and, and he and he what he showed us was the artist not the yes, art and the yes. art was whatever the artist is an asshole right. I, I don't fuck with a baby and, and here's the thing though but like yes music is art but at the same time you have to realize like the people listening to your music, you have to understand your demographic. Yo, you know, 45, 50 year old grown men are not listening to the baby. Bro, you're, you're speaking to kids in in middle school, high school. You know what I'm saying? Because I know I was listening to Waka Flocka in middle school, talking about all, this, all the same shit. And, you know, it's like, and not just the baby. And this is why I'm, I'm encompassing it all together. Any artist that talks about shit that isn't necessarily positive. 
if you're going to listen to it and support it, and you're not a part of the community that was openly slandered publicly in front of millions of people, because those people have every right to say whatever they want about the baby, because the baby was wrong. But I feel like you're defending him, but you don't want to say you're defending him. I'm not defending him. You're saying I'm not defending him, but no, I, I'm, I not, think, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defending him. Correct me if I'm wrong, D. I think you're yeah. mainly pointing out. Uh, if I'm not gay, I can't no, cancel the, the baby. No, no, no I'm the, saying the, don't the be hypocr- fucking the, the hypocrisy. Thank though. you. I yeah, 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 saying, yeah. Don't, don't we're, gonna, hip- we're gonna talk about hypocrisy. Don't be, yeah. don't be a hypocrite and bump music about an entire community getting gunned down, and then feel some way about somebody saying something about somebody's sexual preference. They're both wrong. But one's in They're, the song, and one's has, he wasn't in the song. But he, it doesn't. He, he was like, yo, in between the song, yo, if you're doing this, right? Fuck you. But I'm also not riding around in a whip bumping what little baby said at Roman Loud. Every day, the baby, the baby. Oh yeah, you my favorite artist right now. But I'm not in the way rolling around listening to what the baby said. I rolling aloud. I'm rolling around listening to artists or people are rolling around every day listening to what artists are saying about gunning down an entire community, objectifying women, blah blah blah, whatever. That's a different conversation in and of itself. But yeah. all I'm saying is, if you listen to that shit every day and you're not a part of the community that was offended, then shut the fuck up. Don't be a hypocrite. I'm not, def- and I'm not defending the baby at all. I say he was a million percent wrong, but the only reason I'm voicing my opinion on it is because it was a topic on today's show. Otherwise, I would have never said. Anything. I just want to say, fuck the baby. You gotta watch what you say, dude. You influence a lot of people. But um, other than that, I got some other shit I want to say about rap. Shout out to, um, in my personal opinion, the greatest rapper of all time, Nasir Jones. Dropped another amazing fucking album, King's Disease Two. Yeah, bro, you you continue to just. Like just leak black excellence, man. Like time and time again, you step up to the plate and you you speak knowledge to these motherfucking kids. So not shout out Nas, he's still doing it. My man's in his forties, he's hit like a second or third prime. Um, I know the last album got himself a Grammy, long overdue. This one is far better than that. So we'll see what happens. Um, also want to give a smaller shout out to Isaiah Rashad. After five years, he dropped a sequel to Number the one. Sunset Raid. Um, it is called The House Is Burning. Phenomenal album. Um, deals with uh, the intricacies of his battle with um, alcoholism. Um, house is burning is kind of a, if your house is on fire what would you grab from it would you just run away um so yeah shout out to those guys as far as hip-hop goes but let's let's get into the topics um i know y'all want to talk about the what the first thing we're going to talk about is excuse me the olympics hell yeah man the olympics <laughs> um so I, I my thing is you know we're all sports fans at this table so my question to you guys is First, first of all, shout out to Team USA. Shout out to Simone Biles. Still USA. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Biles, you got a bronze. Shout out, shout out to Alexis and April for bringing it home for the women's beach volleyball team. Yeah. Shout out to Kevin Durant, baby. Gold well, medal. We knew we were taking that. Up. Yeah, so, we knew we were taking that. So, 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 so that was way too close. So, no, way closer than it should have been. But my thing is, the only event I ever, you know, really care about is women's beach volleyball. Oh. Because and 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 track and track because we're gonna take everything else. Like I mean, basketball was closer than it should have been. We lost in baseball. Wait, don't we take women's volleyball all the time? Beach volleyball? Yeah. No, Can't we don't. We were the number two seed this year. Oh, I thought Canada we... was number one. Yeah, <sighs> I'm cool with Canada. Um, <laughs> so you know, and plus you know, growing up, Kerry Walsh, uh, Misty May. You know, what I'm saying like women's beach volleyball is the only event I ever will break my neck to watch. You got a real woman's beach volleyball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just learned something about you today. I yo, respect it. Yo, like, you know, listen. growing up, I'm like, no. <laughs> Not really. Yo, listen, bro. Shout, yo, yo, Misty May was my background for like two years. Let's though. go, Misty and then, May. And then it was Kerry Walsh after that. And I wrote a book report about me and him in high school. So, like, 
all I found myself more drawn to the the women's sports. Cause I'm like all the men's like nobody's fucking with the men's teams. Besides women's basketball, nobody's really fucking with us. No, our women's basketball, basketball team. What? Our women's basketball team is awesome. I've said nobody's fucking with us in women's basketball, so I don't watch. Oh it. no, yeah. Um, yeah. Japan, Japan had a pretty good team this year. The Japanese point guard, the women's point guard. Yeah, she. Um, I think she broke the record for assists. She demolished the record for assists. She's like five four, five five. She's really fucking, fucking Sushi good. Johnson. Okay. What? What? Nothing. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Nah, bro. <laughs> Japanese culture is my home away from home. Don't disrespect, my Don't disrespect my other people. Nah, but uh, we want to talk about the Olympics. So, a question I want to pose to y'all. As far as the Olympics go, do y'all pay attention to the overall medal count or just the gold medal count? Because so, we always win the overall medal count, but so, China got us right now in the so, gold. So, no, no, so, 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 I'm gonna no, so, I'm going to sit here and act like you Wait, think, we got it? Well, yeah, so, today... Go yes. ahead, Bruce. The U.S. is beating everybody in overall medals by a long shot. Yes. And we have the most gold. So, I'm going to say, I'm going to sit here and act like you didn't steal that question because that was my question. Well, yeah, but, I asked you to say it and you went on but, a tangent, but, so but, I had to but, get to but the topic. You have, but, you, but you had to give me back for the daddy issue, so I did it. We're even out. Um... <laughs> If All I said it was a question I want if, to pose. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to episode one. You'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but no, so the question, you know, like, like as Joe said, what so, – so my thing is every time the Olympics come around is, yo, who actually wins the Olympics? Mm-hmm. You know, I remember being four years old, you know what I'm saying, 2000, asking my dad, dad, who won the Olympics? Uh, well, there really is no winner, blah, blah, blah. That just never sat right with me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's yeah. like so – is it off of overall medals or gold medals? Me, personally, I could give a damn about a silver or bronze. My nigga, we need to be bringing home the most gold. And just like Bruce said yesterday, we overtook China. I'm sitting here. I, I, I might only watch one event. I, I watched the gold medal match for women's beach volleyball. But damn it, I was following that you're, fucking you're medal into count. It, man. Yeah. And, you know, and I think, you know, to be honest, I don't even have an answer for that. Because I'll say this. I think we, the United States, has, I guess, won or has had the most medal, the total medal count they have we, won that category. We usually that, always win a total medal since count. Since 1996 in every yeah. Olympics. But 25 gold, years. It, it, it jumps around. And I yeah. think we also, I mean, think of American sports. In every American, almost every American sport, maybe all of them, or at least the big four, there's a winner and there's a loser. Mm-hmm. Right. There, there's, you win the chip. Or you don't. You lost, and you go home like everyone else. And so we also look at those gold medals in that sense, where there is a winner, and then, yeah, you get silver or bronze or whatever, too. So you don't have an answer, do you? Yo, that was the most teacher answer I've ever heard. Yo, he kept everyone satisfied and was about to hit him. He was ready to move on to the next one. If you're at, so if you're asking my opinion, I would say... The total medal count because we do give awards for silver and bronze. Because right. those are there. They're out there. You know, well, you can, well, yeah, well, we should, count, we should well, count them as three, two, one. Three well, points for the gold, two for the silver, one for the bronze. Well, add up like that. That would be dope as fuck. Yeah. Because yeah. It makes the most sense. Yo, time out. Yo, with Joe, that makes a lot of sense because we, we've all heard the saying, second place is the first loser. Nah. We've all heard that saying. Hold up, I mean, normally, yeah, not in the Olympics. Related to that. What you gotta, the thing is, you gotta finish the movie, because then he was just high. 
And he's like, no, you could get second, <laughs> third, oh, yeah. fourth. Shit, you could even become I fifth. Mean, yeah. Is it another Dave Chappelle reference on this? No. Oh, that's from Rick Talladega Nights. Ricky Nights. Bobby. The quote you just... If you're not first, you're last. And then I never saw Talladega Nights. That's a legitimate quote he, I live by. He tells, <laughs> he tells his dad. He's like, if you're not first, you're last. I lived my whole life by that. He goes, shit, Ricky, I was high. You could be second, third. Shit, you could even be fourth. Nah, real answer, though. Shit, I'm going for uh, whatever America's first in. If you know, we're first in a gold medal count, the gold medal count. Yeah. If we're first in overall, then yeah, I'm only gonna. I only care about the overall. Uh, I only care about the overall. The overall medals. As long as America's number one, we're straight, baby. Yeah, I think we got. I, as of this morning, I think we had 114 overall medals, mm-hmm. and second was like 88. Yeah. Oh, Will also, <laughs> shout out Allison Felix. I think she just got her 10th Olympic medal yesterday, yes. which uh, passed. Who was she tied with? Was it Carl Lewis? Carl Lewis. Yeah. Carl Lewis had nine, which was the most for any American you know, uh, tracker field. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Let's, go. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, she's been doing the Olympics since 2004. Anyone who's done any type of track event, even if it's not at the collegiate level, um, even if it's like in high school and you took it somewhat serious track is exhausting those prime years are in your 20s after that oh, yeah. you're probably getting beaten out by some fresh legs and she also just had a, a baby and recently she, and she had a baby a few years ago man, yeah. so. was it a few years or a few months i think no, it was, it was, a f- it, it was uh, in 2017 18 oh okay, okay. I think. yeah but even then you know like there's some recovery on that i think she also had a an emergency c-section so yeah she did she got she got her you know her abdomen cut up so that's you know I also want to shout one more person. I do not know this woman's name, so I want to... Here we go. Shanway Miller-Webo. I don't know if I said your first name correctly, but Miller-Webo, the sprinter from the Bahamas. Girl is out here demolishing every track and field record. Um, no, she is killing it. I know I know she ain't American, but she is putting on right now. She's freaking amazing. I think she's got one more Olympics in her where she's going to completely dominate every event she does. So just yo, shout out out so breaking records and freaking putting people on putting countries on your back hey man my bad <laughs> I, I was just I was with you I just hopped back and I was like, just agree <laughs> but wh- while we're on the topic of sports um I do want to say shout out to the Colonia High School football team we have three Colonia stars in my crib right now what's good fellas <laughs> and being someone that went to JFK uh it pains me to say this but uh Colonia taking that chip this year. And that's it. Am I right, fellas? Yes, sir. <laughs> Fuck Colonia. <laughs> he, from, he, he from Carteret. Come see us in the pit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we might suck now, Joe. Oh, I, don't know if, I don't know if we're still good. We might be bad. We're, we're bad? Uh, we're b- that's what I heard. Oh, uh, we're bad? All right, never mind. What's yeah, shout name? out Colonia. Uh, <laughs> what was the coach's name? Yaz? Yaz? What was coach, coach Asco? Yasco. Yeah. Hey, man, shout out Coach Asco. It's my head coach. We're not going to talk no shit about you, bro. Yeah, he's gone. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Matt, Yasco's gone? Yasco's gone. They, they almost all left. All right, well, this is the part where we all find out. I don't know what the fuck's going on with my old high school football. I mean, as I shouldn't. The fuck do yeah. I care about that? Yeah, you're like 50. You should have known what's going on. Yeah, I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I have... My friend Bruce here, and Bruce, I did um, kind of preface this before that I was going to ask you some questions yep. um, as far as uh, the things we like to talk about here, mental health, that and the, that and the most. So I do want to take a second, kind of have like a little interview portion with you. Mm-hmm. So I do want to ask you again, as a me to you, how have you been? Yeah, man. I mean, overall, I've been pretty good. You know, I've been trying to really take care of myself this summer. 
um, you know, the past few years and especially the past year and a half has kind of been like a nonstop grind with school and yeah. with, um, you know, with teaching. And um, I kind of make it harder upon myself mm-hmm. um, because... Listen, man, the reality is a lot of people go to school. I get it. A lot of people go. A lot of people graduate. Um, but I took it <laughs> uh, extremely seriously. And, yeah. you know, when I take things seriously, I want to do a good job. As you should. And, and I want to, you know, try my best. I think I kind of convinced myself that if I, if I would, I'm okay with failing whatever I try, but I would be extremely disappointed in myself if I fail because there was a stone left unturned because I didn't cross my T's and dot my I's and um, you know I put a lot of, I put a burden on myself but you know once I started teaching um, in September and you know trying to figure that out and it's kind of just been a sprint until June and it's really been non-stop and once that kind of ended you know, I, I know I wanted time to reflect, and this summer I've, I've really, you know, for the first time in a while, uh, taken some time to really just try to... Work on you, take some time off, things like that. Really try to enjoy myself. Yeah, and that's good. You've been, yeah. you've been, working, all, you've been working hard, like you said, the last year, year and a half, so, you, you know, you deserve that little break for yourself. So you said from September to June, that was when you were inside the classroom teaching. That was this past, uh, mm-hmm. this past year, or the previous year, 2020 to 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, how would you say uh, the lockdown, the pandemic, everything that happened last, was it March or April in 2020? How did that impact uh, what you were doing, what you were going for as far as school, um, both you in school yourself and then you teaching in schools? Um, so in New Jersey, you know, we had public schools essentially closed down for the most part where everything was virtual. So... As I was learning how to teach, I was learning how to teach in an open, empty room uh, in my house and really trying to figure it out. And, you know, one thing that I I, I really emphasized to myself was that, you know, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what's going on. You probably don't really know how to do this, but you know that you will and that you can figure it out. And so um, I really... I tried to be as present as possible and I tried to, you know, figure out things as they come. I wanted to work extremely hard. Um, in the fall was probably in that four month span was probably, you know, the most work I've, I've, I've ever done between that and anyone who's uh, gone for teaching or plans to in the future, you'll find out you have to do something called the EdTPA, which is uh, you're basically submitting a 30, 40 something page document to the state. So I'm probably doing 12, 14 hours a day worth of work. And um, Th- this was all virtual? Yeah. This That's all, the first. Uh, yeah, yeah. This was all at home. And um, it cost a lot. It did. You know, um, because I'm fully aware that you have to convince yourself. Like, if you want to really do something that's worthwhile, you have to convince yourself that. One, you're going to do it, and two, that'll be worthwhile. Even if you know it might not be. And so I convinced myself that early on, and it it, it took a lot. You know, I I had to sacrifice, you know, time, money in other domains, 
technically it also sacrificed relationships. One thing I'm very glad that I didn't have to sacrifice is friendships. That's one thing I am glad. You know, I was lucky to have a group of friends that, you know, that, that wasn't an issue when I'm in a cave for so long. Yeah. Um, but at the end of it, it was extremely rewarding. And not to go on, but just related to this and related to how I said, you know, sometimes you don't know if things will be worth it. You know, you don't know <laughs> if it'll pay off. I thought graduating from college would be like, yeah, right? You know, the graduation, <laughs> like, this is it, right? This is this is where you know you did it. Or maybe, yeah, right. you know, some type of acknowledgement. But I literally know the moment when I knew it was worth it. It was literally the last day of uh, uh, the classes in uh, January for that US-1 class. I was student teaching. I switched over, took the class completely over um, <clears throat> right after. And... I was really honest with the kids, you know, I told them, I was like, you know, you guys know this is my first time teaching, you know, I, I, I gave them my whole educational philosophy. I told them I didn't want to just be a teacher, I wanted to teach you things that mattered. I fully recognize you're not going to remember everything I tell you. Mm -hmm. You shouldn't. You know, there's right. no reason you're going to remember, <laughs> you know, there's no reason you're going to remember the election of 1804. But if you leave this class and you're able to look at things that happened today or things in the past and look at it in a, in a manner that you wouldn't have before and think critically, then I've done my job. Amen. And um, once I explained all that, they respected it. And I had, I literally had kids emailing me. Like, hey, you know, I never reached out to a teacher, but you know, um, I appreciate everything you did and, and how intentful it was. And, and that's when I knew. No, that, that's, and that, that's and see, that, that's when you know that you're not just another teacher. Because I have, Two individuals from high school that I still talk to to this day. I'm and I'm 24, about to be 25, mm -hmm. and that was my science teacher Miss Fig, and my high school football coach Marizio. And I texted Marizio the other day, and when kids reach out to you in that matter, that's how you know that you you left an imprint on them. Because I took a push one into, I don't even fucking remember the candidates from 1804. <laughs> I couldn't tell you. Yeah. And, and and I think that's the the big thing too is like. You're not going to remember everything from school. You're not going to. You know, especially with, you know, like I'm teaching history where I'm teaching psychology, right? Right. You have to, they're not going to remember everything you teach them. They probably don't care. Right. Yeah. Be realistic. Oh, you love history. You love psychology. They probably think it's the most boring thing ever. Yeah. So, you know, acknowledge that, realize that, and, and you know. If you still think what you're doing is important, you need to... Oh, if it's important to you, then it's important. So you speak a lot about um, your relationships with your students mm -hmm. and um, how that's kind of your validation factor, how you measure your self-worth or what you're doing. How would you say um, not being able to be personal, teach in person with the kids, did that affect your relationship, your relationship with them um, in general? Did it affect your ability to create relationships or form bonds with them? Do you think that it was better for you that way? Do you think that it hindered you in any way? Um, so I think on a positive note, it helped me get my feet wet mm -hmm. because I don't even have to deal with, you know, really management or classroom management and dealing with stuff like that. But, um, I think it could have hindered me because I don't have to deal with that. You know, some kids acting up, you know, doing whatever, you know, I, I didn't get that experience. Um, but having said that, I, once it was the fall, no, once it was the spring, I had some kids come in. There weren't many. Mm -hmm. I had classes where it was just me and one kid. 
It's just me. It's just me and you, man. Just me and you. And was that shut, because of shut uh, up, Bruce? Was that because of uh, like decisions that parents made as far as sending your kids back to school and things like that? Yeah, they had the option of whether or not they wanted to come in. And if you're a senior, you're 18 years old. You want to go to school? I told one kid, I'm like, if I was your age, I'd be doing everything I can not to get into school. Yeah, of course. And uh, um, that was a different domain because what ends up happening is because you're in person, you get done fast. And I got to talk to them on a person-to-person basis, you know, like there was one kid, I won't give out names, but um, he was going into the military right after school and he took psychology because he wanted to see if there was anything that could help him get his mind straight beforehand. Mm. So after he's done with his work, you know, everybody's doing their stuff, I mean, myself, and I'm talking to him one-on-one, trying to give him tips, you know, whether it's with working out, whether it's, you know, different things to get his mind ready for the military. And, you know, in other classes where there's not as many people, um, you can, you know, let them, you know, you can find out who these kids are more. And I like that. I did. You know, uh, there was one point, you know, they haven't seen anybody in a year. Yeah. And, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll kind of mention that too. Like, when you were a teenager, can you imagine, like, you know, maybe you saw your family, some siblings, people you worked with. Most of these kids, they were in their room and they didn't see anybody. They didn't talk to anybody. For almost a year. You know, I had kids tell me, yeah, I, I, I was bored as hell. I sat in my room and I watched as much seasons and shows of anime as I possibly could because I couldn't leave my house a smart for kid. months. Smart kid, right? Good choice. Good choice. I, 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 I think yeah. Joe was going to gobble that shit up. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm not one of those teachers, one of those adults that's going to be like, ah, oh, you're young. You have no problems. I told them straight up. I was like, you guys have more problems than any teenagers. That have had because we didn't have to deal with that shit in high school. It was no, just, no, no, it was no, just no. regular teenage shit. Yeah, yeah. That's not. And and I also think like not only was it hard on the students, but going back to what I said before, just mm-hmm. you know being a teacher in general and, and and being a molder of young minds, that's hard enough to do. Not during a fucking global yeah. pandemic. Yeah. So the fact that there were individuals that were able to do so. You know, during the, all the shit that we were going through, it, it's one of the reasons why I say that you know teaching in general is a very underappreciated occupation. You know, teaching, the military, coaching, all the shit that people might be like, yeah, okay, okay, whatever. But you don't realize until you're an adult that yeah. that shit matters. Yeah, because there are many values today that. For instance, when I'm at the gym with Joe and he's, uh, you know, and, and he's telling me, like, yo, bro, stand up, breathe, like, keep going. Yo, 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 we're good. No, 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 bro. We got another step. Let's go. I think back to the football days. I think back to my coach. I think back to the times where I didn't want to study. My teacher's like, bro, you're 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 two A's away from having a, a certain grade point average, like push through the finish, finish through the line. Um, and, and I think exactly. I like what he said. No, he, I, I also wanna I want to interrupt him because what he said <laughs> made me want to ask you a question. So what what he just said right there. Were there any students that you you know you saw 
and you're like, hey, you're maybe you're two points away from a certain grade. I need you to, you know, finish <clears throat> through the line. Shout out, Coach M. But um, <laughs> I want to ask you, were there any students that you formed any uh, like specific bonds with, or that you saw that they were going through? Like we we all agree, this is something we didn't have to we didn't have to go through as students. Right, no, you know. Um, so were there any students that you saw like, hey, you guys are going through a tumultuous time. Like there's things going on in the world that you're not prepared to deal with. I'm not prepared to deal with. Did you give leeway or did you like, hey, guys, like, let me try to coach you through this uncoachable situation because I believe in you and like give them that self-confidence in themselves. Did you see that in the students? And how how did you as a teacher, how did you handle their um, I want to say their feelings of lack of self-confidence or just uncertainty because we were all uncertain as to what would happen next and how how did how did the uncertainty of what would happen next how did that impact your teaching style and what you told your students because students may not realize it but as a teacher it's tough to say to know what i tell these kids they're going to take not as gospel but they're going to take with a they're going to take this a little bit more serious if anybody else said it like i'm in a position of power and influence over their lives you know no, absolutely, 100%, Joe, and I think you said it, you know, that, that last thing was a big thing, too, is they may not take it as gospel, but they're going to believe it, most likely, mm -hmm. and so there is a responsibility, and, um, you know, I try to be as real and honest as possible, but I have a lot of empathy for them. Mm -hmm. There was one time, maybe more than once, where I said this flat out. I said, you know, because when I'm teaching psychology, we're talking about different topics, and I think we, I was teaching grit. And anyone who's not familiar with grit, grit is essentially an attribute um, where, that enables you to pursue long-term goals or projects and have perseverance through it. And so I did activities on how to build it and what it is. And at one point I told them, I'm like, you probably have people in your lives, maybe it's parents, siblings, people that are older than you, right? And I kind of mentioned it before where it's, oh, you're a teenager, you don't have to worry about anything. I was like, that, and I literally said to them just like this, that is not true. You, right now, in this circumstance, you have to do with more things than other, any other group of students. You're, yeah. you're at school from home. No one's ever had to do that. Yeah. And so, you know, and on top of that, I'm like, you can't see your friends, you're losing out on social opportunities. You gotta figure out how to deal with homework in school when you're at home and there's distractions. Yeah. And a bit of empathy goes a long way. And so I would really try to relay that empathy to them. And, you know, realistically, I, I wish I could connect with more kids. But, you know, as an example to, you know, the earlier question was, you know, kid being, you know, pointed to a way or trying to motivate them. Um, there was one student who uh, she was at home for a long period of time and then she had to come in school and um, essentially... She was going to. She was going to stay. She was going to stay back. She wasn't going to graduate high school, and not a not a dumb kid at all. You know, uh, I probably say things I shouldn't, but I've literally I literally told her, I've met a lot of stupid people, and you are not stupid. <laughs> and and that's, you you told yeah. the student that. Yeah, I, and, and as see, you should have. That's, 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 that's great because you know what you didn't. You didn't tell those stupid kids they were student. They're stupid. Excuse yeah. me. You told the intelligent or not stupid mm -hmm. student, hey you're not this you know like you can you can be more and you are more and she wasn't going to graduate and she literally said to me straight up she said yeah i'm probably going to fail all my classes and if i fail i'll just drop out of school next year oh and i God literally damn. talked to her multiple times and, I, and I, I said look you know um and it wasn't just me there were other teachers as well but 
I think as proof that I handled it in and I'll explain it a second is uh, she uh, you know I basically told her like look I know you don't want to hear this but you're young you don't realize the consequences of your actions yeah, right you know you have to try to put yourself in a position from from years from now Amen. and uh, you know again I'm not the only teacher that said that but uh, basically uh, she was able to graduate and because they said if you pass one class you can graduate and she chose to try in my class uh, <laughs> she was very straight up she told another as she should have she, cho- she told an- literally told another teacher yeah they told me I can graduate if I pass one class and so uh, Mr. Ch- Elliot I chose Mr. Elliot's class let's go man. but she told another teacher that so when he, to when, her. When he told me that I was like Wow, you should have said that. But uh, <laughs> it, it's a it's a tough it's a tough position but, to be in to want to like want to relay to a student that hey there are more important things in life overall, but this is important and this can hinder you going forward. And also, like you said, having empathy and knowing that this is a unique situation that you're in, and I have to put myself in your in your shoes and knowing there are probably other important things going on inside of your life that I, I'm not privy to. That may right. impact how how interested you are in school right now. How much you can really, um, how much of yourself you can really give to school at the moment. Like I know, I know you and I have had um, off the air conversations about um, what certain students are going on inside their personal lives and how like yo, they just don't have time to do some of this stuff. You know, especially to, um, more towards the beginning of the pandemic compared to where we are now. But I'm like, damn, that it must it must be difficult to deal with teaching around all these different one lifestyles and two restrictions three like you said like i don't know if i'm teaching in person or like virtually like you're you don't know what you're doing when you come into work every day so how do the kids know how they're going to absorb and take in the knowledge when they don't know what the fuck they're like 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 you said before this is the most difficult thing that students have had to go through in a while they don't know how school is working their teachers don't know how school is working so how do you expect them to get the most out of their opportunity when the coaches yeah yeah, the coaches don't even know what game we're fucking playing and and here's my thing it's like i'm so glad you said what you said when you were like you know i shouldn't be telling you this but because I think back to all the times in my high school career where I'm like, damn, if somebody would have been like, yo, Demetrius, I shouldn't be telling you this, but, or Demetrius, you're you're in a position to where you could do this, but you got to do, th- you're in a position to where you can be Y, but you got to do X. If I had someone in a leader position to tell me that outside of the, the football field or, or the track or the whatever, someone that actually gave a shit about me graduating it it, it would have hit a lot different you know what i'm saying yeah 100 and, and, and don't get me wrong i still graduated and don't get me wrong i was all all four years i was academic academically eligible to play football but if i had someone outside of the football field to take me aside and be like listen bro if you want to do this shit beyond high school you gotta do x y and z um so the fact that you were willing to do that it uh it says a lot about you. It does. Because, because oftentimes, like, people get put in leadership positions based on their qualifications and not how they connect to the people they're leading. Mm-hmm. And I think a big thing about what you just said right there right. goes back into what he said about having empathy for his right. students. And what you, like, you brought it you brought it back to uh, football. 
you know and mm-hmm. that that's that's phenomenal because, because I, that, I think that, that's I think, my biggest point of reference it, for life it, no no and, that, yeah. and that's great because mm-hmm. i think the thing is and we see it all the time with kids who the only reason they're academically eligible is to play a sport something right. they're passionate about mm-hmm. it's because they see the passion that people have for the sport and that their coaches and their peers mm-hmm. show for that sport or that activity and what bruce is kind of what he's showing me he's not even saying this is that he's passionate about his job you know he's passionate about what he's doing so the fact that he's taking that interest and taking the time to be empathetic towards his students and put himself inside their position and speak to them about these real life issues you know like that's you 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 know the difference between a coach like okay he's doing his job and oh that's a coach i'll run through a wall for bro son time out not to cut you off but i am so glad you said that because i'm literally I'm texting my high school coach the other day, right? Mm-hmm. He was our coach. Our so my freshman and sophomore year, we fucking sucked. You went to Carter, right? You you know JFK we was have, terrible. We have different. We were, were different graduation okay, years. Okay, so we JFK were, wasn't terrible. So, so 20, 2011, 2012, JFK. Yeah, was I, terrible. I don't. I don't want to lose where I'm going. I'm sorry. I do not want to lose. Okay, my so point go here. ahead. And then yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. Find yeah. find the text. But yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. but I, I did want to. I just kind of want to. So, um, there, like, there's a difference between a coach that, like, okay, I'll play for this coach, he's doing his job, and, like, oh, I'll run through a fucking wall for this coach. At the same time, there are teachers I've had, like, every student's not wired this way, but me personally, I, w- I was very passionate about um, just learning and obtaining knowledge and what I did in school in general, you know? Like, I didn't, I didn't need the, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but I didn't need the extrinsic motivation to get grades, I had it intrinsically. So, students that don't have that, they need another motivating factor, right. and just knowing that there's... A coach and a teacher who is a coach a teacher is a life coach even though you may not know it um, someone who shows interest in them those students are gonna message you say yo I've never messaged a teacher before but yo thank you you took an interest in me as a person me as an individual me as a student Amen. and cared about my grade cared about my life cared about what I'm doing after I no longer take your class yo if there are even teachers who are like yo this is what you got to do to pass the class. I'll work with you, but just pass the class and get the fuck out of here. That's another approach, and I'm not saying that's the wrong approach, but it's not the best approach. It's a it's a different approach. It's a different. It's a approach. necessary approach. Yeah, compared to like, hey, this is what you need to do to pass this class. I want to help you, and I want to make sure that once you leave this class, you're set up for next semester's class as well. And then after that, I just want to like, I want to check in. I want to make sure. Yeah, I want to make sure you're good with life. I want to know that what I'm teaching you, you're learning from. Right and. And um, yeah, go back to back to what you were saying. My bad. No, 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 bro. You're good, bro. Because I think what you just said had to be said because Bruce, as a teacher, I mean, he might feel these ways, but he'll never say it. And I feel like teachers, good teachers, because you got to realize just because you're considered a teacher in the boundaries of the, of the four walls of the school, bro, you're molding minds for life. Yes, yeah. yes. That is, that, that is not a life task to take on. Yeah. And like I said, I might have a different perspective because 24 years of my life, about to be 25, I've seen it every day. My aunt's about to be fucking 70-something, and she was teaching dance until she was 70. And I've gone up at 1 o'clock in the morning to check on her, and she's grading papers. And I'm like, A.T., go to sleep. And she's like, no. I told the kids they'll know their, they'll know their final grades for tomorrow. And I've seen it. So I think I have a and, – and, and Joe, too, because Joe is someone that is – he, he's very big on relationships, so he he under he understands it and he gets it, and, and you know what I'm saying. So, so, but I have a conversation here. This is September 9th of last year. My football coach. Keep in mind, I graduated in 2015, so this is in the middle of COVID. I'm not gonna read the whole conversation, 
but my coach, my football coach, my head coach, my junior and sophomore year. For people that don't know, I went to JFK. I graduated 2015. My first year, we ran triple option, and we were we fucking sucked. We won three games total my first my freshman and sophomore year. But my junior and senior year, we went back to back state semifinals. My junior year, we lost to the best team in the state, Phillipsburg. And my senior year, we lost to Colonia 14 to 12. Just so you know, and this is something that kind of hurts me, you lost to the best team in the state in your group slash division because we beat Don Bosco is fucking us all up every. Oh year. yeah. Oh, amen. I, I think no, 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 no. I, I went to one of my uh, one of my college roommates. <laughs> one of my college roommates. Shout out you, Alex. Uh, he went to Don Bosco prep, and I would always tell him. Uh, right. like, I'm like, yeah, dude, we were a game away from the state finals. And he just looked at me like, y'all are cute. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> so for, for, for the people that aren't from Jersey, high school football is predicated on your group yeah. and your division. And Don Bosco is always the, the top. Don Bosco top in Catholic. the country. In the country. So, when the I, country. so when I say we lost to the best team, well, I'm, I'm talking about better around our and, talent. And, and group. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In, in, in our group. Where are they um, making these kids from? You ever so, seen the kids that go to Don Bosco? Yeah. So, 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 so here's the thing: Don Bosco has so so Don Bosco has the permission to recruit nationally. Oh, yes. what? Yeah, there's there's a yeah. certain group of schools. we can't do that. I don't know what the criteria is, but they can recruit nationally. Yeah, because they, because I think it's um. They used to bring bleachers in to a You have to, yo, yo, time out. First of all, we get on Don Bosco and we get, yo, time out. I'm about to talk about Phillipsburg. Never mind. Time yo. I want to hear, I want to hear what you and your coach. We want to keep it positive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yo, yeah, yeah. time out. All I'm saying is fuck Phillipsburg because my junior year, they didn't even let us come out for the you national see, anthem. See? My bad. <laughs> my bad. I'm going to chill out. Um, but on a, on a positive note, fuck you, Don. Fuck you, uh, Prem. I mean, Premise? Fuck you, Phillipsburg. Oh. Shout out to Don Bosco. Shout out to Paramus and Jabril Preppers. Even though you play for the Giants, you bitch ass nigga from Jersey, but whatever. Um, you made the right choice. Shout out to Falcons. And that's why. And, and that's why he's. And that's why he's in Cleveland now. Exactly. Right choice. Anyway. Um, so this is a text. This is the middle of a conversation between my coach a year ago in the middle of COVID. My high school coach that I haven't seen in six in in four years. All of you guys work so hard. I was always proud of all of you, mostly because of how much you sacrificed for each other. And I said, yeah, man, for sure. I tell my nephew all the time to enjoy it because once high school football is done, it's done. Nothing else is like it. And he was like, I think often about how great it would have been to have to have been there longer. But I accomplished everything I set out to do. I wanted to build great relationships with the players and the parents and have a group of guys that loved each other. I know I did that because I still keep in touch with so many of you guys and parents and I saw how much you care for each other every day. That's a, that's a good coach. And I say you did that and much more coach. Because that's a good coach. Yeah. And I'll I'll never forget. I, I had a my best friend. It's I won't the say third his name. time you have cried on this podcast. Dude. It's fine. <laughs> nigga, I'm not crying. <laughs> I have cried on this podcast before, but I ain't crying right now. Nigga, ain't no crying. Nigga, ain't no crying in baseball. You think this crying in football? Nigga, fuck. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. All right, I, I, I cried in football. I cried more in football than I have in baseball. <laughs> but grown men cry, dude. But yo, nigga, I cry a lot, and it's fun. It's a fuzzy for the soul. Thirty seconds ago, ain't no crying. Thirty seconds later, <laughs> man, I cry a lot. <laughs> but I, I had a best friend that that he um, I ain't gonna say his name, but during high school, I was a grade ahead of him, and he was a better football player than I was. 
you know the kid you just look at like like a Jabril Peppers or whatever you're like yo that, that nigga's an athlete yeah that was my best friend but he was wrapped up in the streets he wasn't really taking care of his schoolwork whatever and we're in a, we're going to the same high school I convinced him to come out for football his junior year my senior year whatever he had gone he played freshman but then got wrapped up in the other shit whatever so I'm like bro you're a junior. This is when it. This is when it matters. This is when it counts. These last two years. These last twenty four months. Like you gotta put put your foot on the gas academically and athletically. Cause I'm like, listen, bro. I know you. I know you come from. This is it for you. It's either this, or you're going back to to slinging dope, throwing up gang signs. And I love you, so I don't want that for you. And he comes out to summer camp or whatever. And keep in mind, when he played his freshman year, he he led all freshmen in rushing. He played cornerback, blah, blah, whatever. So his his junior year, I'll never forget, it was during summer workouts. He didn't even make it to camp. We're out there one day, and the coach is like, we're, we're running gassers, we're doing burpees, whatever. And the coach is critiquing his form and his effort. Because that's how he was. He was harder on the, the coach? upper. The coach. He was harder. Is that on, coach, the same coach that you same were coach? Okay. He was always harder on the upperclassmen because he's like you're the example. But my boy didn't get that, and my boy ended up walking out of practice. And Did he ever come back? He never came back. Okay. And my coach was so bothered and hurt by that that he texted me, and he's like, "Yo, is such and such okay?" Like, I didn't mean to... Because he, he texted him first. I couldn't get in touch with him because I guess he was ignoring him. That's a, that's a really good right. coach. And then he hit me up. He's like, yo, D, yo, D such and such isn't responding to me. Is he okay? I just want to let him know X, Y, Z. He's always welcome back. Like, I'm, I, I'm not taking it personal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, coach. I'll talk to him, whatever. And he says, D, I love you because you're a cornerstone of what this program is going to be for the next 50 years. No, that, that's, a, that's a really right. good... I, I really did like that... Uh, that that story I like how that shit. and then I really I really fuck with your coach. It kind of yeah. goes back to what you and I were talking about. Um, I think it was last week or week before, mm-hmm. um, about how as a coach you have to realize there are students who can take the let me be tough on you that tough right. love, and then there are students who don't respond well to that. And, and, and the, everyone the fact, will take yeah, that. And right. the fact that your coach is like, shit, I tried to give him tough love, and he fucking left the team. Yeah. The fact that he's right. like, all right, I might have overstepped my boundary. I might have messed up. Like, yo, did I do this wrong? I'll just let you know when I said. Yo, if you don't like it, there's the door. You know, and the kid takes right. the door. He's like, yo, dude, I didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't the mean there's the door. Real. Like, I was, yeah. I was kind of, you caught my bluff. <laughs> yeah. And that's the tough part because in, you know, really, I think in any position of leadership, mm-hmm. you know, when we're young, it's our teachers, our coaches. And I, I put our parents in a different category because that's, oh, that's parents different. Parents are completely different. Yeah. But in always. some type of leadership position, then when you get older, it may be your boss or whatever. Um you kind of realize that at certain points, you ha- they have to play the bad guy. Yes. And, and the thing is... Because, when, because that's the only way you'll learn. And the thing is, when you're in that position, you also have... Like, I genuinely believe to be effective, you have to have... Um, you have to feel a sense of responsibility. I mm-hmm. brought that up a few times. But with that responsibility, is come to the realization of two things, big, right? One, you're going to be wrong. You're going to make mistakes. And when that happens... You have to be able to admit to it and make adjustments, mm-hmm. you know. And two, 
one big piece of advice. It was somebody, uh, it was advice, basic, not advice, but uh, a philosophy of parenting, someone told me, where I said, uh, she said, I tried to be the parents that I always needed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to any position in leadership or in relationships with people in general, professional, um, close in general, you know, anything. So for me, when I'm teaching, I try to think, you know, be the teacher that you needed. And that's, how does this, that's great advice. And how does this apply to that person, right? Because with coaching, same thing, right? Be the coach that you needed, but mm-hmm. also understand those individual differences, right? What works for you, Joe, may not work for D. I could do that. T- <laughs> I could do that tough love <laughs> because that works for Joe. That's going to motivate Joe. Yeah. But I need to know D well enough to understand how to make him work. You hear this in professional stories of of the yeah. highest levels of athletes as well, and those are things that they bring up about coaches. They know how to motivate someone, how to utilize them, and it comes that way. You know, it goes that way with people in general. Now, I think that that's advice that you can take and you can apply it to pretty much anything. Like, mm-hmm. be the blank that you needed. Like, I always try to apply that um, when I tell people, like, oh, when um, when eventually I have children, I'm always going to try to be the parent that I always feel like I missed out on, yes. that I needed. Um, like, you and yourself, you say, like, oh, I'm going to attempt to be the teacher that I always felt I needed. Let me be the coach that I always felt I needed. That is phenomenal fucking advice. Like, I'm... Shout out to you, Bruce. Yeah, shout out to you, Bruce. That's real. Shout out to Bruce. Hey, 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 hey. I know you're about to tell us that you heard it from someone. Yes, yes. We don't know that matter. You carried it out. People like to say knowledge is power. Fuck that. Knowledge applied is power. And that's an example of knowledge applied. Shout out to you. If anybody ever writes, be the blank that you want to be, I need y'all to put quotation marks around it. And after it, put. Bruce, <laughs> Michael Scott. No, um, but I did. I did like that. That also kind of brings us to, or that kind of sets the stage for the meat of what I wanted to get into after we'd finished your little personal interview. But um, this, this is going very well. So I don't know how. I don't really don't know when it's going to stop because you're kind of you kind of are taking topics with you. Um, but you spoke a lot about um, the motivating factors for your students. Um, how do you personally? Or and you can talk about your students as well. But how do you personally deal with um, intrinsic motivation versus intrinsic, extrinsic motivation? Um, things coming from the outside and things coming from the inside. Do you feel like you lean one way or another? Um, it could be like for different aspects of my life, I'll need extrinsic motivation. Motivation for different things, I'm intrinsically motivated. And how did you see it for your students? Like when do you see as a life coach because in your position you are sort of a life coach do you feel like you need to step in and motivate your kids a little bit or do you think that there's something that they should have from their parents or they should just have within themselves like yo you should want to do good in school because you should know that this is the best thing for you or like you should want to get a good grade on this just because it's the, it's, it's the right thing to do no absolutely and you know that also you know plays into um, understanding the differences of individuals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'll kind of, I, I, I did this before, but I did, there was an interesting study that I found out as far as it deals with intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. This is sometimes able to teach in the classroom and use these examples. Oh, of and course, I asked him a question that he did a fucking paper I, about. I, I, I did. I literally <laughs> taught kids this and I, made, and I had them take a look at their own intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. I did. Because, I mean, I can fucking tell you what it is, but you're not going to goddamn remember. But maybe if you write it down and you think about yourself mm-hmm. and how do it applies to your strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but good study. Uh, interesting uh, enough. I believe it was out of the University of Massachusetts. And so they took children that are very young. 
and for children, intro- very young, the best children. Sorry, very young, the best. Shout children. out to R. Kelly. <laughs> no, no, I was doing. I was doing. I think we were doing Donald Trump. We were doing Donald Trump. <laughs> oh shit! I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> oh man, no, but uh. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's oh my God. God. Yo, Joe, cut that when you edit this. <laughs> I know. So the children, Fresh. the best children in America. Back to the best children, and only only the best children. Um, so to measure intrinsic motivation, what they did was they took a bunch of kids, um, and they said, here, you get to play with these toys. Now, if you play with the toys, you'll be able to play with them again. Simple as that. You play with the toys, you get to play with them again. And that was a measure of intrinsic motivation because if they play with the toys and they like it, they'll intrinsically feel motivated do it again. to okay. do it again. If they don't, then they don't have the intrinsic motivation for it. Then the other group of kids, um, if they played with the toys, they got a certificate. It was like, yay, good job, and some praise, some verbal praise and a little certificate. Now, both groups of kids actually played with the toys the same amount. And also, I want to add in for the extrinsic group, they get that certificate and they could play with the toys again, right? So if I play a professional sport, I get paid and I still Uh, get to play because you're still able to do it. However, the main reward is the certificate, the praise. AKA the paycheck paycheck compared to the love of the game. Yes. So it would be... Well, it would be like, hey, if you get an A on your report card, I'll take you here or I'll buy you this. Yes, exactly compared to the that. students who are like, I want an A on my report card. Why? Because I want, I Ash Ketchum, I want to be the very best that no one ever was. The fuck are y'all talking? About? <laughs> no, no, no. That 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 is a that is a very good point. So, how did this study end up? What what were the splits? What what I I feel like this is gonna upset me that people need to be extrinsically motivated to do their best. You are wrong. Oh, uh, intrinsic motivation yeah, is the best. So oh, let's go. Even let's though, go. Even though the group of the extrinsic kids got their certificate and play again consistently, even when the study is repeated they choose to pick up the toys less than the group that's intrinsic because even though they get to play again, they that is not the the, the reward. The reward isn't playing. The reward is the, the certificate, certificate for them. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be wrong here. Now, in the classroom, though, or even when this applies to, you know, everyday things is it depends. You know what? I kind of, after saying it out loud, I kind of understand why I'm wrong here because I know those students who are like, hey, if you do this... If you get this grade, I'll give you this. They're not going to be the best students. And you can kind of tell that they're just kind of following the motions to get whatever the extrinsic motivating factor is yeah. compared to the students who are sponges, who take in what you say and they take the knowledge. And like Dee said, knowledge isn't power. Applied knowledge is power. The yeah. people who apply those teachings to their life, those are the ones who are going to take the most out of it and use that to form formulate their own opinions and their own thoughts and their own lifestyles and that's that's huge you know absolutely but you know in the real world people aren't intrinsically motivated about everything no you don't like to do everything you have to do like work like work or maybe there's some things at work you like to do and others that you hate there are so that's where we get to and this relates to coaching too d because how many times have you played a sport where you say i may like to you know if i'm playing football i like to do the fucking drills or i like to do this but i fucking hate running and they doing those gassers. And so how do you apply the intrinsic motivation to those who you know are intrinsically motivated and use the extrinsic rewards for those who don't want to do it's a balancing said act. thing? And it's a balancing act. Time out. First of all, goddamn. 
<laughs> Yo. <laughs> like, told you he was going to be nice. Like, <laughs> he did. He did. Yo, he told me this at the gym three days ago. And I'm like, I'm a big proponent on giving credit where credit is due. God damn, bro. Like, that is, I think if half the coaches in this world or teachers, regardless of what area, listen to what you just said. I think if half the teachers in this world knew that they were coaches, same yo, way. Listen, you know? that's the thing. There's no difference. And it's like. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. And it's like, yo, as you said that, I thought back. I'm like, I'll never forget, bro. My junior year, I'm sitting in our preseason meeting. And Maurizio comes in. And he's like, he's up on stage in the, in the fucking auditorium. And me and my boy, Josh John, we're sitting in the front row. His like, name was Josh John? I swear to God, his name is Josh John. <laughs> Shout out to Josh Shout John, Shout out Josh bro. John, yo. Shout out Josh John, Wait, bro. hold on. Was there, was there a hyphen? No. His name was Joshua John. <laughs> <laughs> All first names. Yo, and his girl was bad as fuck. But anyway, they broke it up. <laughs> um, Clearly, the name didn't affect it. He was like, hey, what's your name? Josh John. <laughs> two first names? Yeah. Yeah, and he was. And this oh, nigga two was. first names? I want you. No, no. no, no. <laughs> what you say? What you and say? And this nigga was nasty. But he comes in. He was like, now keep in mind, this is my junior year. I had lost like. 70 pounds during the off season, mm-hmm. and he comes in and he's like, Yo, he's feeling sexy. And he's, Yo, come on now. And he's like, Yo, you're a tight end, and you're a tight end. He points to me and Josh John. And I'm like, Josh John, yeah, okay, I can see that. This nigga's always been his shit. What's his last name? John. Oh, Jonathan. Oh, <laughs> Joshua Jonathan. I thought his name was Josh John and then last name. No, his name was. Joshua I mean, that doesn't Jonathan. make it any better. It doesn't. It's the same <laughs> shit. His name was Josh John. Shout out to Carmelo Anthony. But. Um, <laughs> and he's like, yo, you're a tight end. You're a tight end. I'm like, yo, this nigga does not know that I've been a lineman since I was six. <laughs> it's like, yo, he has no idea. But um, it's like, yo, you you you're gonna ask me or something first? Or like, maybe see what I can do beforehand? And, and. At the time, I'm like, yo, I'm a lineman. And after that meeting, I told him that. And he's like, okay. So, tomorrow when the tight ends come out, you got to do blah, 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 whatever. Because he saw something in me that I didn't see. Okay. And I feel like the um, missing link that a lot of teachers and coaches don't have is you have to see shit before your pupils see it. Yo, I agree 100%. Because... When you're young, I you know, same thing I mentioned before where think of the person that you needed. When you're young, you don't know who you are. Right. You know, there was and, – and the one thing I liked about teaching psychology even though, you know, I, if any of my kids hear this, they're going to be like, what? I had almost <laughs> no idea what I was doing until I learned it the night before. But I learned it so well that I wanted to be able to recite it and so you could understand it. So I learned a lot in the process too. Um, but – when I was, for example, teaching about what's called emerging adulthood, it's this new category of lifespan psychology from fucking 18 to 26, and essentially, you don't know who the hell you are. Yeah. You're in this weird phase where you're like, I feel like an adult because I, I pay bills. Were you teaching? You're teaching lifespan development? I was teaching uh, seniors. Oh, okay, okay. Yes. I thought, I thought it was the younger. I'm like, why the fuck were you teaching for no, 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 lifespan no, development? No. Oh, okay, that makes more um, sense. And, you know... I told him, I was like, you parent, you probably, some of you probably have parents that's like, you're 18, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? And I said, I hate to tell you this, or maybe I'm the only one that's going to admit this, it's okay. Yeah. I literally told them, you may not know what you want. I was like, I think some, I don't remember the exact percentage, but the majority of college students are going to change their major. 
And I said, many of you guys, maybe you know what you want to do and you're set up. Fantastic. But if you don't, it's okay. And sometimes, and I got a few of them looking at me that were in person, like they were, I could tell they were surprised because you have people telling you, you need to figure out who you are. Mm-hmm. And it's perfectly fine that you don't know who you are yet because you're still creating yourself. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, you know, the main thing that I wanted to, you know, you know, tie that into is that, um, you know, really giving that empathy to the kids and telling them, you know, that it's okay, and, and, and you know, and, and being real with people. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think, I think Demetrius just said. It. I think a big thing you said is a uh, seeing something in the person before they see it in themselves. Right. But like airing that, like letting that be known, that can be so. That can be so big for a young adult. You know, someone who doesn't really know their own identity, someone who doesn't really know who they are, and but, and it's um. My bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. Um, and it's it, so when I talk about coaching or teaching, like it, it, it really hits home for me because you know, I, for instance, I, I have a kid right now who is um, your prototypical offensive lineman. Like you think Michael or you think um, what was uh, Michael Michael pa- to, Michael Pouncey? You're trying to get get to him. Like you like you envision that. Like you you know that, and you're like, yo, bro. You can be the next great offensive line. It's, it's it's funny you or it's not funny, but um, it's it's interesting that you mentioned offensive linemen. I think offensive linemen is we're talking about young adults, especially as it relates to football. Um, I think that's the hardest position to get through to kids mentally because right. there's a there's a stigma as far as offensive linemen go that when you're young and you're an offensive lineman, you're just fat. And, you know? and, 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 and the thing with coaching, they're like, oh, fat boys here, fat boys here, fat boys here. That's the and, culture of football. It's a little bit toxic. And, and I play. Yeah, offensive and defensive line on two state semifinal teams, and I'm coaching it now for a state championship yeah. team. It's a it's a mentality, mm-hmm. and there's this one kid we have who the first two week of practice, the first two weeks of practice, every practice, I'm off to the sideline with him, going over his stance for offense and going off, going over his get off and firing on defense, while the rest of my kids, yo. I'll be honest. There, there, there have been times because when you coach Pop Warner, there's only there's typically only three coaches: the head coach and two assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. So when you coach the offensive and defensive line, you're you're responsible for that entire group of kids every day. And there were times where I would stop practice. You know, you, you guys chill out for a second, whatever. Or Just I would even the, say you and the one kid. Yeah, or I wouldn't even say anything, and I'll take the one kid off to the side. Was and, he too? Was and, he and, better than everybody else, or was he not as engaged? And so here's the thing. So I would do this, and there's and keep in mind what I do is, and I do this personally, and not a lot of coaches would do this. As a coach, and as a football coach, you pick your spot on the field where you want to practice. I take my kids all the way to the corner of the end zone. The closest spot on the field next to the bleachers and the parents. Because I want you to know that you're not spending your money on bullshit. And I will stop practice and I would take this kid to the side and work on his stance for 10 minutes. And work all and work on his get off for 10 minutes. Because I see in him and I tell him this. I'm like, yo, listen to me. You have all the tools you need to be Great. The, the next Michael Pouncey or the next J.J. Watt, you just have to trust me. Mm-hmm. And I do that with him, and he gets it. 
and the first five reps, he might look at me like, Coach, I already did this. I'm like, okay, cool. You owe me 10 perfect ones before we go back. And he'll bang out five perfect ones in a row. I'm like, let's go back. And then we go back to team, and the head coach is like, God damn. Yo, he, yo, he's smacking. He's fine. Yeah. Yo, he's yeah. getting in there. And I'm just like, that's all him, coach. Yeah. Hey, but, but, in, but in your head, you're like, I got through to him. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, you have to rec- you you have to see the roadblocks before you pull up to them. Of course, because of course. they're at the point where it's like, yo, listen. When you're 18, you're 19, you're 20, you recognize the roadblocks when you're at them. Mm-hmm. When you're that young, you don't recognize the roadblocks until somebody until points you're out that three a miles in front of you. past them. exactly exactly, and you're the one that's recognized. Hey, dude, there's a roadblock in front of you. I see it. I want to get you. And and I remember the first time I said that to him, I, I, I almost cried because I'm like, damn, that first state semifinal team I was on, I remember our new offensive line coach pulled me aside during practice and was like, D, you have all the physical attributes to be great. I just got to get it out of you. Mm-hmm. Because I'll be honest, my, fresh, my freshman year was my first year playing tackle football. My sophomore year, I was like, okay, I get it. And my junior year was like, all right, I can letter this year. I can make an impact on the varsity team. But I wasn't quite getting it. And I had that coach. Shout out to Coach Perry. I yo, listen, I got a little bit dip in right now, chewing. This nigga, we used to get our game plans with dip spit all over him. <laughs> I swear to God. <laughs> and he was like, D, with a mouth full of, with, yo, time out, with a lip full of dip. Wait, him or you? Him. A-O-D. <laughs> A-O-D. <laughs> Listen. Oh, that was authentic. Listen. Uh, you got all the tools to be great, kid. I just got to get it out of you. Yeah. Coach, but- coach, you okay? You, you're breathing kind of heavy. Uh, I'm 400 pounds. It's all right. <laughs> I, I played offensive line, D, Division One, But... As much as I might have laughed in the moment, I appreciate it because guess what? I lettered my junior year. I lettered my senior year. And I wore that jacket with pride because not only did I know the type of work that I put in during the offseason, but I knew what my coaches had done. And I'll never forget, I, I I used to show up early to practice. I used to be the first one there. And one day I was sitting, I was sitting in the locker room, and I heard the coaches in the office talking. You know, you know, D doesn't necessarily have this, he doesn't have that, but he's the smartest one on the line. He's going to study harder than anyone on the line. He's going to get it, and he has it. So if I could ever pass that on to a kid, mm-hmm. I will stand behind that to the day I fucking die. Yeah. Um, no, nah, but that, that's again. I just want to shout out your fucking coach. Like, yeah, but, no, but I, I think I think it's interesting because I've had I've had a multitude of football coaches inside of my life, and I don't think any of them have gotten through to me. Like, we all need different motivating factors or different ways that reach to, like that reach us. Mm-hmm. I think the best coach I've ever had in my life is my track coach, like Coach M. And and you've talked about her a lot. Yeah, I, I yeah. have. But the thing is, she, we didn't speak like that. It was one of like it's one of those. I mean, her and I spoke. Of course, we had a relationship. But it's one of those things where, like, I could tell that she saw something in me just from the way she treated me. You know, when you ask something more of one person and like as a teacher, I'm sure there's a student that, you know, is smarter than the other students in the class. You know, not to cut you off, bro. I'm just going to say this one thing. Have you heard the quote? 
the only time you need to worry is when the coach stops talking to you? I haven't, but I understand mm-hmm. because because you're no longer you're not in their game plan. You're not in their mental. Like, I can't right. I can't get anything out of them. Yeah, but but like um, I'm I'm sure you know like there are students who are like okay they're smarter than the majority of the class. Let me ask them if like like I've, and I've I've been not to toot my own but I've been that student in classrooms before where a teacher would be like hey you're blowing through this you want to read this book or do this extra project and it'll be like is it extra I'm not even asking if it's for extra credit I'm just like yeah I do actually but with Coach M she's like hey I want you to lead this practice I want you to do this and I'm like yo you're asking things of me your expectations of me are higher than I see they are of some from someone else kind of makes you look in the mirror and be like. Does she see see something in me? Should I see something in myself? Should I should I take myself more seriously? Should I take this more seriously? And just like just that coming from somebody inside of a position of power can mean all all the difference to you. Like just you taking the taking that uh that one student aside or that one t- what what would you call him your teammate your um he's uh he's he's one of my players your players yes yeah, you you taking you taking one of your players aside and spending that extra time and teaching them you're like they're gonna go home they're like oh he coach treats me individually a coach like you know speaks to me like maybe i should take this a little more seriously or with you and your students you're like yo mr elliot we have conversations after class before class about things that i've done maybe i should take this more seriously um what i, I did want to mention something to you before bruce um when you were talking about how students really don't know where they want to go with their life and i do think that is a big i think that's the biggest problem with um society in general and what we think uh with school and with where forcing people or not forcing but um uh, what's the word i'm looking for no you're right steering people guiding steering people people into doing things that they're not sure they want to do i think the dumbest thing we can do as a society is hey you just graduated high school what do you want to do for the rest of your life they don't fucking know i think that it would be nice if teachers were more forthcoming and told students hey I see this in you. I think you should look into this. You would be really good at this because a lot of times the kids don't know. I, yeah, um, that's that's a great point that you bring up because you know I have done that and um, just a hey, you'd make a great. You know, part of growing up is understanding your own shortcomings and your own limitations. Oh yes. You know, I as much as I'd like to believe you can do anything, I will never be an astronaut. All right, <laughs> I'm never gonna be a physicist i'm never gonna you know i probably won't be president of the united states right you know it's not happening for me so how do you become the best possible version of yourself and so i've uh emphasized this uh with the kids where you're young again you have some time thank you you don't really know maybe who you are or where you want to go so what i've literally told them before is Think of things that you love to do, mm-hmm. things you're, that you really enjoy. And what really pushed that, your interest as you get older can turn themselves into passion. Yes. And your passions are intrinsically motivated. And so before I give an example, all my students in all my classes know my story. They know, I, I like to start it off. <laughs> uh, they all know this. That, uh, the stabbing. No, 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 not stabbing. You were stabbed? <laughs> <laughs> no, that just must have been my joke. For the record, I haven't got stabbed. It looks like I got stabbed. I didn't get stabbed. For the record, don't believe him. I'm telling the story to the day I die. But, um, you know, I've literally told my students that, you know, because I think that we look at people in positions of leadership and power, and sometimes we feel disconnected. Like, 
You know, you're this extraordinary person. As it relates, real quick, not to backtrack, but like with the Olympics, right? The whole thing with Simone Biles, right? We look at Simone Biles and we say, the fuck you mean? You know, you're going to quit. Like, you can't handle the pressure. You're goddamn Simone Biles. You're the best gymnast ever. Mm -hmm. So we attribute things that we see to with these ideas of greatness or superiority. Yes. And even though I'm just a regular fucking teacher, you still look at those people in positions of power as there's something else. So I like to completely shatter that. And I told them, when I was in high school, I was probably like a C student. I was extremely disinterested. Shout out to all my 2.5 students out there. My 2.5 students. You're killing it. Hey, you're academically eligible. That's all that. Hey, yo, listen. Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book, (laughs) The Goddamn Go of Financial Literacy, and said, A students work for C students. That's I'm going to leave it at that. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. That's pretty good. And, um, you know, I said, you know, when I left school, I literally went to Middlesex County College because I figured you go to college, right? This is what you're supposed to do. So I went there. I went for a year. I got uh, uh, three A's and two F's uh, because if I was interested in it, I did well. And if I didn't, I didn't care. My man said three A's, two F's. He's like, yo, either I love this or... Yeah. I so, don't care. So, so let me ask you this, Bruce, not to cut you off, bro. Um, those two Fs, like, being that you were able to obtain a substantial amount of A's, those two classes that you got Fs in, what did that teach you? And and not only did what not only did what what did it teach you, but how do you convey that lesson to your students nowadays? So, you know, what I tell them is so basically for example, my first history class, I got an F. <laughs> you know why? Wow. And now you wow. No, uh, you want to know why? Your first Let's history class? Let's go. Bad, bad teacher? Uh, no. Oh, he was a terrible fucking human being. But that's not how <laughs> to do it. Shout out to you, baby. Bad teacher? No. Well, yes. <laughs> um, but we had a midterm, a final, and a paper. Oh, okay. okay. I got an A on the I, midterm. I, no, I got I an A those. on the final. And I literally had absolutely no idea how to write a college paper. Like, I, I, I was so confused, and I conveyed all this to my, the students, that I literally walked into the library and said, okay, like, I pick up books and I, like, read stuff, right? And I'm literally, like, and then I was like, I have no idea how to do this, so I didn't do it, and I failed. And, um, you know, I apply that to them because, like, I'm, 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 if, if you don't know how to do something, th- then you don't know how to do it. I'm going to yeah. teach you how to do it. I'm not going to expect it. Um, but to continue the story, and then I say, uh, yeah, and then I did one more semester, and then I dropped out of college. I like to use the phrase drop out because that usually surprises them. And uh, I'm like, yes, your high school teacher dropped out of college. And then thought I wanted to work. I did that for two years. I realized that fucking sucked, and that was not what I wanted to do, but that was exactly what I needed for me to find out. So I went back to middle sets. I had no idea what I wanted to do, but, Wait, I, was, Bruce. but I was looking. Bruce. I kind of want to stop you before you finish this because the next thing I wanted to ask um, us as a group um, is kind of where we started. uh, We started uh, storyboarding for this week Mm -hmm. was how do you deal with setbacks and restarting is when you're passionate about something and you're pursuing something. Um, Well, when Demetrius and I spoke about it, it was kind of... um, uh, dealing with uh, mental health when you're trying to make a change inside of your life and you're making a positive change in your life and then you deal with a setback you get back to was it ground zero was the term we used so so the term I the um, context starting from zero what the, was it the uh, context the context in which I phrase it is 
not only just starting from zero, but starting from zero, building up and then building up, achieving something, and then losing it, yeah. and then having to start again. Because yeah. I, so, I and feel it, like, it kind of, it kind of felt yeah. like that's where you were going with your story Amen. without even realizing it. No, so I did want. I'm like, I'm like, yo, Bruce, you're fucking answering the question I didn't even ask yet. Yeah, no, you're right because that also ties into. Uh, yeah, um, but you know, just to like finish that off real quick and tie that into it, um, you know, essentially left school, came back, didn't know what the hell I was going to do, but I was looking. And I emphasize that to the kids that the most important thing is that you are looking. And so, you know, I tell them like, hey, I dropped out of school, but when I went back, I took it serious and eventually I found out what I wanted. I wasted a little bit of money looking because I changed my major a thousand times, but I found it. And I, and I don't mean to sound cocky, but I, you know, I, I, <laughs> no, you found something you were passionate about. And you don't I, need to sound cocky. I, and, yeah, and if you're I, passionate about something and, and I, you're good at something, you I should tell it, me that you're fucking good. I did it extremely good. well. I took yeah. it serious and I, I finished with a 3.5 GPA. Goddamn, that one A minus. But it's okay. Um, you it's know, an A minus, dude. And so tying that back in is, I was like, you look at me and you say, oh yeah, you were made to teach. I was like, I was the kid who went up and turned red in front of public speaking. Yeah. And that is absolutely 100% true. The thing is, who you are today, you're still young. You don't know what you're going to be. And as long as you're looking for your passions and you're searching, that's the most important thing. You stop looking, that's when you're in trouble. Yeah. If it takes you forever to find it, that's fine. Because when you find it, it'll be worth it. And, you know, there was one student, for example. She's an okay student. Get C's. But she loved, you know, like the Etsy stuff. Yeah. She loves to make shit. And she's good at it. She makes bracelets and rings and jewelry and even does the fucking pottery shit. We make stuff. And I told her, I'm like, you know, your fate may not be to be, you know, to be an astrophysicist because or a mathematician. I was like, but you love to do this. And so I would I would annoy her every once in a while because I'd be like, hey, when you know, when you're gone, I'll be waiting for that Etsy shop so I can you know, so I can buy your stuff. And you know, and I felt it important to remind it because the reality is, it's an unfortunate reality, but no, not everybody's going to be Tom fucking Brady. You know, there's going to be regular people, but how do you find, how do you... Why, why, no matter what, why do we always find a way to mention Tom? Yo, time out. Yo, no, time out. No, wait, no, wait, wait, because wait. I feel like your time out is going to have to do something to do with 28 to 3. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm shouting to my Falcons fans out there. <laughs> Look, Bruce, y'all beat him twice. I, I that was it. I didn't even think about that, Joe. I'm sorry. Joe. No, it's okay. Well, There's, well, you well, haven't Joe's been here. No, well, well, every week, every week, no every week, we go back to it. <laughs> but what I was gonna say is, yo, and and fellas, you might have to get the cap because I'm about to monologue, and I I don't give no, a no, fuck. No, no, no. I gotta, I gotta. I, because I, I because ask pe- one more pe- question. people need to fucking hear this. Uh oh, here's the clip. I won't clip, I promise. Bro. Preemptive. <laughs> Move the mic back. <laughs> Listen. Anyone listening to this, and even Joe, Bruce, you're here right now. Listen to what I'm about to fucking say. Your odds of being a human being are... You have a better chance of winning the lottery than you do of becoming a human being. And, and time out, Joe. I will send you to study because I know you're about to ask for it. No, I wasn't. I just said, "Oh, you have a you have better chance. You have a better chance of being struck by lightning than being a human being." And I always say, 
and Joe's no, Joe knows this, before we came together for this podcast, I have my own solo podcast, and I will post on social media about becoming the best you, and my main belief is that everyone on this fucking planet, I don't care if you're Bill Gates or the fucking lookout for the dope dealers on fucking O Block in Chicago, I don't care, you have a fucking gift and an inherent talent on this earth. You did not get put here for no reason. Out of the 3 million semen sperm cells that came out of your father's dick, it was not you that was chosen There's for way no reason. more than 3 million. I know. Millions. Hundreds. I know. But I wanted to just whatever. You were not chosen for no reason. And my thing is, yes, yeah, school is very important. Education is very important. But once you get past high school, it's like, okay... Does your career does your career require college, or does it or does it not? And um, it's it's like if your if your career doesn't require you to go to college, then okay, you got your diploma. Now what do you want to do? Is it art? I know for me, it was speaking in public in, in public communication and coaching. I knew that's what it was, and it, it wasn't until this last year that I really realized that. And a part of that and, and once I realized that, I um I began to take steps towards what I actually believe what I was here to do. And I was real estate and I was coaching. But having said that having said that, I spent the last six months of twenty twenty self-improving and building and building my business up and then come March I went through through a terrible fucking breakup and so then, and then I found myself in the position to where it's like okay so no so I wanna now you mentioned you went you you mentioned that you were working on yourself working on yourself mm-hmm. and then something bad happened yes so sir. I want to ask you kind of the same thing that I asked Bruce how do you Bruce always brings shit back to his students I'm trying to ask him a fucking question <laughs> I was talking about these damn kids shout uh, out to but, Bruce <laughs> shout out to Bruce that 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 man's gonna be he's he's my he's goaded yeah that's my guy but now but I but I want to I want to ask you then um how do you deal with the process of once you are Working on yourself and building and building and building towards something. How do you deal with hitting ground zero once again? How do you deal with the knowing that all the work that you put in, you put into yourself or you put into a certain passion up to a certain point that you've essentially worked towards nothing? Or the thing to me is, um, you mentioned that for you it was a breakup that brought you back to that ground zero. Right. So for breakup specific, for breakup specifically, I think the thing that impacts you is that you work on yourself, you give yourself to this person. And you make changes in your life, your lifestyle, the person you are, how you interact, how you deal with things, what you do, if you do or if you don't go out. And then that person is gone. Right. And all of a sudden, the person that you became to work with them, to make things work with them, is... It's not no longer essential. Like you don't you don't need that anymore. And how um, do you how do you build yourself back up? What do you do to get back to where you were before and improve upon yourself? So, I'll be completely honest because on this podcast we keep it real. The position that I was in prior to that relationship, I'm not back to yet, and I have no problem saying that. That's fine. I I love this chick. Hey hey hey. Fuck that. I just want you to answer my question. I don't, I don't care if you got want to. Got you. Love. Got you. Fuck her. But, 
so here's the thing. I spent six months working on myself, building up to where I had to be as a man. And if you listen to this podcast, you know what I believe about how you should carry yourself as a man. And I, I hold it to a higher regard than I hold anybody else. Um, so when I lost that, I had to get back to the basics of... So there's this concept known as neuroplasticity. Of course. Which is rewiring your brain. And during those entire six months, I spent meditating, working on my health, working on my mindset, rewiring my brain. And... When I met this chick, I mean, okay, I'll be completely honest. I knew her already for two years. She hired me at my last job. The last job I ever punched. I don't care. But no, no, no. But li- I, I know. But listen, it, it ties in. So the last job I ever punched a clock for, she hired me for that. And when we when we became said I ain't punch a clock. I work for myself. Nick, that, I, was, a little, that was a little self flex. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I heard the self flex. He said the last job. I punched the clock for it. She hired me. But when we had became involved romantically, I was already on the entrepreneur wave, working for myself, doing deals every single month. Shout out to to Demetrius, the real estate chef. I'm sorry. (laughs) Shout out to myself. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) How do you you hear? Hey, man. But, um... Jules <laughs> on the floor right now, <laughs> but yeah, when she met me, I was in that position, and then when we um, when we broke up, I was in I was in such a a different spot mentally. Because because here's the thing: when you start from ground zero, a lot of people have this idea of when I achieve X, I'll be happy. Yeah. When I do Y, I'll be happy. When I have Z in my bank account, I'll be happy. And being someone that has been to the point of achieving X, Y, and Z, there's always you what have, about you have to realize you have to be grateful for wherever you're at mm-hmm. because it couldn't have happened any other way. Me building my business up and then going through a breakup and losing most of it wasn't supposed to happen any other way because it not it's not how it happened. Do you think the breakup contributed to your setbacks as far as your business went? Like, it, um, it, it, did it impact you mentally, emotionally, to the point where you couldn't give your all to a business? And, like, feel free to answer, honestly. Like, like um, I'm going to yeah. be real with y'all. Like, um, I mean, excuse me. To, to answer your question, not to cut you off. No, no, the excuse me was because I burped. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <laughs> to answer your question, 100%, bro, I, I, I went from being in a position to where we had, we were closing one, two deals a month. And for you anyone... Just, you just didn't have the motivation to work. Exactly. And for anyone that's in the business of sourcing off-market real estate, you understand how much of a grind that is. Yeah. To, to even do one deal. We were doing one to two deals a month. Yeah. So that was... That was months of us waking up at five o'clock in the morning and getting on and getting on the computer, being on the phones at 8 a.m. Like, it was months of that before yeah. I even knew this chick. So, um, building back to that point, so, so when the breakup happened, I had lost that. I was getting up at nine o'clock in the morning and cracking a bottle of Jameson to deal with the pain I was feeling. There was an entire one, two months to where finally at the end of it, my business partner came in the chat and was like, yo, D, your need to go out every night and to drink and to get blacked out is 
affecting the business. So do you think you needed that extrinsic, uh, I wouldn't even say that's a motivating factor, but that extrinsic uh, kind of wake forced up. look, yeah, wake up call, yeah. forced look in the mirror to kind of get you back on track? Yeah, and, and, and when he said that, I'm like, shit, goddamn, bro, you know what? You're right, because, not, not that, and I'm not shooting my own horn, and I'm not patting myself on the back because I never do that because I believe that you could always be better. How you say he never did it? 30 seconds ago, he just said, shout out Demetrius. <laughs> <laughs> There's a balance, man. There's a balance, but 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 shout out to Q. And I've mentioned I thought he was going to say shout out D. No, no, <laughs> hey, I'll shout out to Q because I've shouted Q out multiple times on his podcast. Um, he always tells me to this day, even throughout the breakup, he's like, yo, D, you're the, you're the engine behind this business like you like when you're clicking we're all clicking and when you're yeah. not we're not yeah. and when See, he that, that's something you need to hear you amen. Like, and, and that's again going back to coaching recognizing mm-hmm. something in people that they don't see because mm-hmm. I never saw myself as that but I when think, he but when he said that I had to realize you're like yo there's value in myself other right. than what I see and other people value me amen and it's bigger than what I'm dealing with right now mm-hmm. it's about where me and my bros and my family can be in the future yeah so once i realized that it came back to like okay i built myself up to this point i dropped back i fell off now how do i build back up to that and a big part of that to me if listen if you're listening to this episode and you don't take anything else away from what we've said and bruce has dropped a million gems tonight listen don't worry about where you want to be have gratitude for where you're at. Because listen, if you're listening to this, that means your fucking heart is beating. That means you're breathing. And if 2020 taught you nothing, motherfucker, it's that life it's is 2021. Exactly. And if 2020 with COVID hasn't taught you anything, it's that life isn't fucking promise to no one. And Joe is flexing right now. <laughs> he's a great... Really, I don't he, really know why. He He's a great fucking gym partner because I'm smaller than he is. But shout out to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> no. Thank you, Bruce. Now, Bruce, I want to ask you. I want to ask you the same question. Um, how do you deal with um, when you built yourself up, or when you're building yourself to, uh, yourself up to something, and you're working towards a certain goal, and you're on the cusp of achieving whatever that, is, that goal is, and then you suffer a setback, and you're back to ground zero, back to working on yourself? How do you deal with getting back up to that? Um, so kind of what we were what we were talking about was uh, this relationship aspect. Um, you work yourself to be a completely different person. In a relationship, you are yourself. You're never not yourself, but you're yourself inside of a box. There are things you can be. There are things you cannot be. There are things you can say. There are things you cannot say, do, and cannot do. You give yourself to somebody. You allow them or allow yourself to make certain changes in your life and your personality. And then when they're gone, you're kind of just stuck in a situation of, all right, I became this person for you. I rerouted my life and I've done this to be this or be here for you. And now that's gone. So how do I work myself back up to finding one, who I am, two, what I personally and solely want to do? Because a big, a big thing about relationships that people don't, that people don't understand is you have to um, compromise and not compromise in a negative in a negative way but you have to compromise your goals let's say i want to own a fucking island you want to own a ranch so we say hey let's get 
a hotel instead. Neither of us wanted a hotel, but you know, I want an island. You wanted a ranch. We both so we we, we both want to get a hotel. So let's let's get a hotel. All right, now you're gone. Bitch, I never wanted a hotel. I only wanted I wanted an island. You wanted a ranch. I don't want a fucking ranch. I was cool with the hotel because you were cool with the hotel. And I could be happy being with you with a hotel. But no you, fuck a hotel. You know, you get you get where I'm going with this? So uh I don't want to I don't want to stray too far or just have us out here crying talking about these females. But uh, yeah, but uh how do you, how Yo, do you we work? can do that. We can get toxic if you want. Well, we're, nah, we're good today. But um but like how do you work yourself up when you're on the, when you're on the cusp of achieving something and you kind of feel yourself fall off the rails and you need to work back on getting back up? Um you know, that's an excellent question. And um you know, early on I mentioned that one of the things that was unfortunate but happened um you know, through this long grind of school and all this other crap is, um, you know, losing out on relationships. Yeah. And initially when I was starting to figure it out and I went back to school and I said, look, I don't know what the fuck I want to do. I have no idea, but I need to find out. And I tried the working route and for me personally, it didn't work. Um, and I developed this tendency that I wanted to was when shit gets bad and when I'm feeling down, I want to dig my head in the ground and just work on whatever I need to work on. Mm-hmm. It was the I, the, I basically become a workaholic when things are going bad, right? Is that your coping mechanism? Absolutely. Okay. And the thing is, that wasn't natural. I wanted to develop it because I figured it was productive because I could sit there by myself, you know, and, and you know, depression and when that would kick in and when it became serious it was debilitating and so I was trying to create a route where it can be productive Um, and so I did that now where that became an issue was when I was in relationships because if things went bad my brain associated when thing when, when you're experiencing some type of negative emotion dig your head in and then push forward by yourself yeah and I, I, I just, I assumed like this was the best way to do things all the time. And that girlfriend of mine, her mother was really like a mentor to mine, very intelligent person. And at one point she told me, I, I didn't even say it out loud, but at one point she told me, she was like, you don't need to do that anymore. When things go bad, you now have another person. And it kind of shook me. I was like, oh shit, you're right. And so that was a shock to me. And it was different because... If you're in a relationship and shit's going bad and you turn inwards, that that's probably the worst fucking thing. Yeah, it's it's you negative know? it's I mean, negative it's it's negative to your relationship because to the, you, to the you relationship, lose, yes. Because you lose what what it is is that other person can view that as yo, you're going through something. I wanna be that shoulder for you. I wanna be the person that you confide in and you show them that they're not that and they take that as a negative connotation. And um not to because I feel like what you both just said is is very important. For people to hear, mm-hmm. and god damn it, I He's said I was. I, but I said, <laughs> don't, do it, don't, do it, don't do it. We're almost, we're almost done, D. Come on, I, I'm not gonna get toxic. I promise. <laughs> but fellas, listen. But <laughs> fellas, listen. No. As a man. No. Anyway, Bruce, continue. <laughs> <laughs> Bruce, continue. I'll save that for you shooting the shit. Shout out Patreon. If you want to hear what I got to say, you got to pay for it. Bruce, continue. <laughs> <laughs> to know more, subscribe. And pay the Patreon. 
Um, <coughs> but um, so eventually, I did make that adjustment. But the problem becomes, <coughs> which happened in a relationship later on, is <coughs> my bad. I just drank beer and it went down the wrong throat. The wrong throat. Wrong You're throat. A Shout out to Yingling. Wait, how many Shout throats do you have? Trying to kill me. Your throat girl. How many nah. throats you got, nigga? <coughs> Too many, I guess. Whoa, pause. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> uh, so what ends up happening is if you adjust to that role and then you adjust, because it is, you know, I, I do believe that it is more effective that um, if things go bad and you want to, um, you know, when things are going bad, you can turn to that other person. It is a healthy enough relationship where you can do that. And you turn to the other person, if it is a healthy enough relationship to do that, mm-hmm. then it is a more effective coping mechanism. We are social creatures. Yeah. And if there is someone that you can entrust with those things and talk to, it is more effective. Um, however, what also happened was, what if those relationships end and if you've adjusted to it? And the struggle for me was when, um, if relationships ended, and now I need to refigure out how to go back to that mentality of digging in the hole because that's effective when I'm on my own. It's straight. Oh, okay, okay. So what what you're saying is you had certain things that you you had a certain coping mechanism prior to relationships that you had to drop and then reapply post relationships. Yeah. Because, so okay. Because after uh, after a three year relationship and you decide to you know do the healthier. Mechanism. Yeah. You you've you've learned to kind of depend on somebody. For a coping mechanism, you have to kind of reteach yeah. yourself something. Okay, that, that makes but sense. Not, I wouldn't say depend. I would say... Appreciate it. Yes, and apply. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. As opposed okay. to, like, what is the default option? But then once I left, that's not there. And so my default option is I need to figure out how to deal with this myself. And it became difficult to... Yeah, you have, you, you, have to, you have to get comfortable yes. with dealing with things yourself again. Yes. I, so, I can see I can see that. So let me, let me, let me ask you this because... Um, Obviously, I spoke on my situation, and my situation is a lot different yeah. because my business, if I select the only person that's affecting, it's me. No, and my partner, your team, and my yeah, team. There we go. Mm-hmm. Your team depends yeah, on you, right? Absolutely. absolutely. But I, you know, I, I don't like to ever blame anyone for like whatever. But like, if I slack, it's affecting me and my mm-hmm. two partners. There you go. Yeah. When you, if something hurts you. And it takes you out of your zone, out of your mode. Like I said earlier, you're a molder of young minds. So if, if something take, if the relationship takes you out of your zone, it's affecting the kids. Mm-hmm. Nah, but I don't, I don't want to. Well, don't no, no. But, but, but I want to say, like, if if a relationship takes you out of your zone and it affects your teaching, yeah. then it's effect, it's yeah. affecting the molding of young minds. So yeah. being a person that is down to earth and is chill and is very real. Which I think this podcast has kind of touched on. Oh yeah, this is a uh, Demetrius like first conversation with Bruce like ever. By the way, <laughs> well, well, no, 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 no. Well, first, first. Well, okay, so okay, so, okay, so, yeah. so I'll be honest. I met this nigga at a pool party where we were all zooted, <laughs> <laughs> and then I've seen him at the gym like every day since. Yeah. <laughs> it goes as far as like, what's up, Dave? Yeah, what's up, bro? <laughs> hey, yo, Joe's in the parking lot, bro. You want to wait for? <laughs> I forgot about that. But um, going back to my question, being someone that's in a position of affecting future generations, how do you handle the stress of a relationship? But even beyond that, 
How do you handle the stress of your personal life knowing that you're responsible for the mind and lives of so many young ones? So, no, that's an excellent question. Um, and now, you know, again, I said this probably for the thousandth time, it's a sense of responsibility that I feel. You right. know, I've had to make choices where it's like, you know, we can't hang out. You know, I may not see you for a week. And, you know, at one point, even before I was teaching, you know, I had a, a relationship of mine. It was a long time, and they said, "I feel like you're. Not, I'm not your number one priority." And at, for a while, I beat around the bush, but eventually, I was mad, real about it. And I said, "You're not I'm telling a girl that you're with for a long time. You're not my number one priority." That shit was a shock, and I said, "You're not. School is, or my teaching is. My, those responsibilities are." And um, you know. It's, it, it, it's hurtful because from their end, I can absolutely see that, especially if it's with a woman and she wants to build a future um, and those things are important because, you know, the reality is your significant other is an important thing if that's the level you're at, if that's the commitment. But, you know, for myself, you know, I, I, I've, I've, I've told women in relations before, like, you know, this you're unfortunately, you're not the number one priority. I've also told in another in a relationship before when this is done, they've said when this is done, and you're done with school and you start teaching, will I now be your number one priority? And I said I think so, or uh, you know I said I think so, yeah, probably most likely. But the reality is, it's more complicated than that. And here's my thing, brother. I don't want you to beat yourself up for that. And here's the reason why. I've, talk, I've talked about many times on this podcast about women. They they crave and they deserve a sense of security, provisioning, and resources. That's what they crave. That's what they deserve. That's what they're attracted to. So being someone that is so in tune, I call it your purpose. Being some, someone that's so in tune with your purpose and how eventually you're going to provide for a family, not not just for you, not just for your students, but for your wife, for your kids, and then their cousins, and their aunt. Being someone that's in a position to be able to do that on your own accord is nothing to to be upset about. If you don't have time for a woman because you know it's the week of finals and you want to make sure your students get in extra tutoring. There's nothing wrong with that because you're you're on your purpose and you're bringing home the bag at the end of the day. So I, I just don't want you to ever feel down about that. Like, bro, stay on your purpose and the right one will be able to not only handle your purpose, but appreciate it. I do appreciate that. And, you know, um, I think as we all get older, we start to realize that you start to encounter more and more situations where you have to make a decision right. and neither decision is optimal. Yeah, right. And Catch you know, 22s. Absolutely. It, it, might, it might not be optimal, but one decision is always the right decision. Yeah. And you have to, you know, one thing that I, I, I really try to implant in my head is if you make a decision, make sure it's yours. Yeah. You make the decision right. and that's it. Because there... <laughs> I think I think that that's a, that's a very good... Yeah. Uh, I do want to let you expand, but I do think that's a very good point to kind of wrap up this conversation on it because we were talking a lot about relationships and giving your time to somebody. If you do make a decision in a relationship and it 
it's going to be a pivotal decision in a relationship and it involves you and your happiness make sure it is your decision too often i see people men or women make decisions inside of relationships and they take the consideration of their partner's feelings they want to walk away or leave them but they don't want to break a heart this that and a third i'm like look if you're planning if you're planning on leaving or if you're unhappy or if you need to handle your time differently make that decision for you because you're going to try to be a people pleaser and please everybody and the only person who's not going to be happy at the end of the day is the person in the mirror and that's the only person that should fucking matter but no, I'll go, go ahead Bruce. i do want to let you finish that to just kind of wrap this no, up absolutely plainly. you know and and that's an excellent point because unless you're probably a complete absolute sociopath <laughs> um, <laughs> if you care for someone genuinely yeah their feelings are going to matter yeah and so it can be devastating to disappoint someone um you know but you know at the end of the day you really do have to try to clear yourself away take a step back or the best piece of advice i ever got when it comes to any situation um was uh at work one time uh, red lobster unfortunately uh <laughs> was somebody somebody got in a, a really really bad situation something bad happened i was like yo you okay he's like yeah i don't care i was like i'm surprised you're so relaxed and he said what i do is i think it was Nick DeCordo. I think. Shout You said this and you probably didn't realize I was listening. Um, he said, when something happens, I put myself in 10 years from now. Okay. And I think to this situation and I say, in 10 years from now, am I going to care about this? If the answer is no, then why do I give a fuck? And, and that kind of goes back if to a rule. Then do something. Let's get it, Nick. You know, it, I, I, I kind of heard this rule. It's like, if it's not going to matter. Five minutes from now, don't spend more than five seconds worrying about it. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot easier said than done, but it's, it's true shit. Yes. No, it's yes. real shit. That's good shit. That's why you're so good at giving advice, but not at taking it. Oh, that's all of us, baby. That's, that's everybody. That's everybody. All right, good. Good. Very easier shit, said fellas. than done. Good shit. All right, so um, yeah. that wraps up the Bruce interview portion. Now that, <laughs> <laughs> no, that wraps up all the heavy stuff. So I got a, I got a few light. I got a few topics. The just before we wrap it up, we're approaching the two hour mark. Um, so do you guys want to, I got one ish hard question, two kind of light moments. Depends where you guys want to go. You want to keep it serious until the end or you want to get the light shit right in between? We can uh, do however you want to do it. Okay. So, okay. So basically neither. First of all, none of y'all asked me a fucking question all episode. I feel like an interviewer. I'm asking y'all both questions. None of y'all have, none of y'all have asked a question back to me. Hey, yo, yo, you have to raise all night, Joe, how come you haven't told me how you deal with setbacks? Because you didn't fucking ask me. Joe, how was your week? Yeah, that was my thing. I haven't asked, I haven't answered anything because no one has fucking asked me. No, but I know we're backtracking, but on a serious note, I actually genuinely do. Oh, uh, oh, oh, shit. You, and give as detailed as an answer or... Um, like the same question I asked you, like how I deal with setbacks when I get up. Because I, I do want to know. Um, um, to be completely honest with you, I kind of have a negative answer. I kind of... Um, Dis disassociate myself, disconnect from the world. I kind of disappear. Like Bruce, you've known me my entire life. You know I have a tendency to. I don't want to say like I don't want to say disappear completely because I do try to be present and be a good uh, be a good friend, do what I can. But I do tend to just disconnect, disassociate from the outside world. I keep a small circle. I'm proud of keeping a small circle. The people I fuck with are the people I've always fucked with, and the people that I will always fuck with, fuck with, and keep inside of my circle. 
if shit hits the fan and I'm going through something, that's it. Like there's nobody but my circle that that matters or that I'm that I'm associating with. Um, I do keep a lot of things close to chest. Um, I appreciate my friends group because they understand the way that I am. They understand the person I am. They don't really ask me questions. They know if it comes to it, I'll say something. If not, I'm quiet. Um, but yo, it's just building. It's a process. It's a day by day process. It's a week by week process, month by month, year by year. And I don't handle things the best. Um, but I do try to take things out of everything or everything that I go through. I do try to learn from each situation and try to get back. But like even even um, even currently, like I'm currently in the process of building myself back to where I was previously mentally. And before this, I've had like I've it's been a it's been a up and downs for you know years do, do you think that your method of coping is effective for you or do you think that there's holes in it i think there's holes in it i think there's holes in it. i don't and, i don't think not kind of i don't think i have the most effective how, and and how it how you apply it to yourself i i do not think i have the most effective method of coping with things i do think i have some holes inside of my process um, but again, it's easy to give advice. It's hard to take advice. Mm. So from an outside perspective, I can point out the holes inside of my process. But being me, it is hard to apply those things to myself, knowing me. Um, but not there's there's definitely holes inside of my process, and there are things that I could fix to make my process of dealing with and and crumbling better or easier. And um, I just want to say like. When it comes to fixing yourself or or rebuilding or starting from zero, are you telling me or asking me? Uh, no, no, I'm saying I'm making a point. Okay. The um the most valid points or pieces of advice that are going to propel you don't necessarily always come from you. They come from the people that are observing the situation and that care about you and love you. So yeah. just like so just like you said, how you said that. You appreciate your friend group because they know when to break things up to you. They, they, well, personally, they they know when to vocalize it and when you just just need to be. I honestly appreciate my friend group because they know that's not me at all. I don't. Right. I don't offer that, and I don't want that for my friends group. Um, right. I tell people a lot of time. I was having a conversation with a very good friend of mine. Um, she was telling me how she didn't know how to be there for somebody or what to say to them. And I'm like, yo, don't say anything. Just physically be there for somebody. That's all you can ask for somebody at the end of the day. And that's why, that's why I love my friends, bro. Like I'm not somebody who likes to, 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 I mean, I do like to talk. I'm not, I'm not somebody who likes to disclose everything that's going on inside of my life. I don't really disclose because you, because you much rather be there for somebody. I feel like, I feel like, well, me personally, because, because, Based someone that's your friend and that has interacted with you from the outside, like when I say the outside, I mean from like outside of what's going on, like internally. I feel like you much rather be the person that's. I'd rather be there for somebody. the solution, yes. and, and much rather be like, "Yo, I'm here for you." Yeah, I'm a shoulder to cry on. I'm a, I'm an ear to listen. Well, if if it's me personally, I I like to I like to talk to my friends, find out find out right. what's going on. But again, if they don't want to talk, they don't like we don't have to talk. Right. I mean, but um, I, mean, I like you I would like never my force friends. it, but you you rather be the person that they're talking to. Yeah. Right. But um, but not me personally. I appreciate my friends because they know how I am. They know I'm not gonna I'm not really gonna open up about shit like that. But they'll just be there. Like that's all that's all I want at the end of the day. Just be there for me. I'll figure I'll figure the rest out on myself. And it may not be the me- it may not be the best method, but it is the method that I've been using. And shit, I'm still here. And it works for you. Do you, yeah. do you think you have the self awareness that when you are 
you do get yourself in a hole, you're able to recognize pretty quickly, like, ah, oh, fuck, like, or, or maybe not. No, my, not my, my, it, it, my I, biggest I issue, yeah, my big, my biggest issue is probably my self-awareness. I'm very, I'm extremely self-aware mm-hmm. of my thoughts, of my actions, of how I process things, and it kind of leads me to overanalyze myself overanalyze my actions my words you know you have those shower moments where you're like i should have said this i should have done this mm-hmm. um so that that's led to a lot of moments inside of my life where i'm like i should have handled this differently i should have done this differently and get stuck inside your own head it kind of becomes a cycle but no no i do think i do i have some um pernicious and deleterious habits but we all do um i am working on fixing those habits i do know they're not they they may not be the most optimal but again they're what i have and like they're 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 changing they're changing i I, yo i want to shout out this fucking pod like just just uh having a a place weekly to personally i've kind of taken the role as the interviewer rather than the interviewee so i do appreciate when people do ask me kind of the same questions i ask them but i do i do enjoy listening to other people's thoughts in the way that they process the things that because you know put it this way all the questions i asked the um, d andy um and even anybody that i have on the pod they're questions that i have for myself you know they're questions that i'm asking the man in the mirror and i just want to see how other people react to them and take their responses and trying to weigh them against how i would respond to something a different way so i do try to um i remember when we had anthon and jay on anthon had said yo the best thing you could do is listen to somebody um when they speak um, like make sure that you're actually listening. So I do try to be a good listener and I do try to take um, something with me from the questions that I want to know the answer to from myself. I ask people those and I try to take everything from, I try to take something from each and every person's answer and apply that to, again, the man in the mirror. Shout out Agent M. <laughs> I can be Agent M. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to episode one of the pod. But um, um, I have uh, two more two more questions. Wait, I I be, be, oh, before, ahead, no, 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 that's cool, bro. Um, I just want to say that um, being willing to take the advice or viewpoints or to tie to tie it all back into the episode, the coaching or teaching of someone else. A lot of people look at it as a, or I would say a lot of people, but more people than necessary look at it as a sign of weakness or yo, know, you don't know shit. But if you look at the the most influential people in the world, the millionaires, the billionaires, the people on track to become trillionaires, or the people that have the most influence in this in the world, they always preach about coaching and mentoring and and taking the advice of experience of others. And I can sum it up in one quote. A smart man learns from his mistakes, a wise man learns from the mistakes of others. Mm-hmm. And when you put yourself in a position to be vulnerable enough to accept that, nigga. Fuck the lottery. Like Eminem said, I get the seven digits from your mother for a dollar tomorrow. Like, come on now. Eminem the philosopher? Eminem said it. Hashtag the 8 Mile. Eminem the philosopher. Hashtag oh. 8 Mile. <laughs> Aristotle, Socrates, Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I just got a, a, a quick few before we go ahead and wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Bruce and I walked in today... He's wearing an Empire Strikes Back Star Wars t-shirt. Oh, boy. Me, myself, I'm wearing a New Hope Star Wars t-shirt. We oh did boy. not plan this. Play. Yo, yo, Don't, they, baby. They really did not plan this. Well, of course we didn't plan this. Why would we plan this? <laughs> Literally sitting here, and I looked at Joe's shirt. I looked at my shirt, and I'm like, 
Holy shit. Did we shit, just become best friends? Did we just become best friends? I think that's the new hope. <laughs> oh so now I want to, I just want to ask a uh, real quick off the cut or what, what's a uh, favorite Star Wars moments or do y'all have a, first of all, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? There's only one answer and it's episode five, Empire Strikes Back. I was, bro, oh my grandma, I was about to say Empire Strikes Back. Yo, what did I tell you about putting things on people? And, you know, no, no, because, because you don't have to put your favorite Star Wars movie because on your grandma. I said before this pod, cause I knew, cause I, but I said before this pod, we could talk about Star Wars. I might not have the best answer, but I'm going to have my answer. And, oh, that's the best answer. And, and when you said what's your favorite episode, the first thing that came to my mind was Empire Strikes Back. Oh, cool. And I really meant that. Yeah. It's the only Empire Strikes Back. What about you, Bruce? It's the same thing. Oh, but, I, no, yeah, it's an easy answer. You'll get like 80% of people that Ooh, say that. That actually fucking about classic. Story. But I will say, the stuff, the direction they're taking it, I think it does have the opportunity. Not to break the mythology and the legacy of the old ones, but... The as direction. far as the movies go or like the shows? Shows, movies, well, not the newer movies, but we'll say, um, you know, with the shows and the directions they're going as far as with... Um, Clone Wars or uh, Bad Batch? Uh, Mandalorian? Yes, with Mandalorian. I think that is going to start to take Star Wars in another direction. That's similar to what you know Disney's doing with Marvel. Yeah, they're going to expand past the Skywalker. They're going to expand it, and they're going to use the opportunity to ditch the old things and really create a new interesting story. You know, I, I, I think that's an excellent thing. Now, I think I think the potential that they have, as far as like opening up the universe with the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. is is infinite. They can go anywhere with it, and this fuck that's fucking amazing. Yeah, I, I think they genuinely have an opportunity to. Um, to have the best is yet to come. Yeah, I, I really. Don't I don't know, know if the best is yet to come, Bruce. Empire Strikes Back was the from old movies. To, yeah, oh, that's, that's the last. So the, there, there's a mythology. There's a legacy to it. I know. Yeah, it was. It I was know. just like it was just the right the right amount of editing. If I had to go like a specific favorite moment in Star Wars, I couldn't just just the fear that Vader used to put in me mm-hmm. as the viewer every time he would be on the screen. I'm like. Oh, this dude is... He is not fucking up. Bro, in Empire Strikes Back, actually, I do think I have a moment inside of Empire Strikes Back when um, Han opens the door. Uh, they're they're in... Um, where's where's Lando? Cloud City. They're in Cloud City. Um, Lando had kind of half manipulated them to come here. I mean, he was forced to do it. Han opens the door, sees Vader in the room with um, Boba Fett. Yes. Yeah, with Boba Fett. Shoots at him twice. Vader just opens his hand, eats the freaking blaster. I'm like... What this dude can just block fucking blast what's your what's your is that your what's your single favorite scene moment from Star Wars? Um, I'm, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have to say it's gonna be the same movie. It's gonna be before either of the uh, two Star Wars kind of swords answer this. Can I just say my favorite scene was when Darth Vader revealed to Luke that I'm your father. He was his father. Okay, I just have to say that. Okay, okay. Mine's is a few minutes before that when um. Uh, after Han, Han Solo had been frozen inside a carbonite, Darth Vader and Luke, they crossed swords. That shit was cinema. I'm on mute. <laughs> Cinematically. <laughs> <laughs> I just hear slurp. <laughs> no, I just, 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 cinema- just cinematically, when they had like crossed their lightsabers inside of the room with the red background and the black, the black, black drop, I'm like, yo, this is a fucking samurai movie, you know? Yeah. And then just, like, the way Vader was so easily just sat there. I don't know if you remember. Uh, he had his lightsaber like this. 
just face down on the floor and he's just throwing shit at Luke like chilling you know and, like, and, and at the time I'm like damn he's on a completely different level and then the prequel trilogies come out and you see how strong Anakin actually was and I'm like oh he was just fucking with Luke like yeah, he yeah. didn't care about that fight whatsoever either that moment or um my second and this is actually very close um, I did seem very passionate about that last part but um inside of Return of the Jedi when um Luke was fighting the, when Luke was fighting his father and uh he searched Luke's feelings he's like there's another and he's like your sister and Luke went crazy and then you know you finish the episode you find like you know that that's uh that's Luke's father and that the sister is actually his daughter and I'm like yo Vader is talking about his own daughter inside this moment like he'd already changed he wasn't gonna do any of the things he spoke about you know he was just kind of feeling Luke out he kind of like you could see the change happening on screen between him and the person inside of him you know no absolutely that one that is also that that see that you literally just mentioned was your sister yeah that's that that's probably my top one but I'm also um one scene that I absolutely love it's in um uh, um, uh, Rebel One. Rebels? Not Rebel One. Uh, Rogue One? Rogue One, I'm sorry. Brain fire right now. Okay. Um, in Rogue One, where, you know, it's at the very end. Oh, the Vader scene? And the Vader scene. Oh, Because man. they use our modern, you know, fucking they, they, technology they use... to show the emotion, the passion, the power, the fear intimidation of Vader by the dark the, background and at that point too you already know who he is Vader is a, a, a goddamn villain he has his legacy he's like a fucking myth at this yeah. point and they just have him show up and just unleash his power annihilated and the fe- them and the fear that he instilled the coolest thing is the coolest thing is you watch Rogue that. One and then uh, you go back and watch A New Hope he like you see mm-hmm. them boarding the ship in a new hope and you're like oh i know exactly what happened to everybody yeah, like, they, just got yeah. they, they use the 40 years that you have of like appreciation yes. and fear of darth vader as like oh yeah you already know what's happening you saw the fucking red lightsaber come on and then everyone's like oh shit and we're was, dead and they just do great we idea because they start off the new hope literally the first star wars movie yeah no that, they tied that shit up and, perfectly and, and you know vader comes out and he's fucking everybody up but they tied it perfectly into the last thing you see in rogue one is vader in that little booth just wrecking everyone okay okay and the last thing i have to ask before we end this pod bruce how do you or do you or would you allow r kelly to be played at school oh god uh uh, (laughs) at school no probably not if someone says, hey, Mr. Elliot, did you ever listen to R. Kelly? I'm going to... Uh, Wait, nigga, I was listening to him on my way to work. I'm going to say... <laughs> Bruce, what's your favorite R. Kelly song? Seems like your friend. I'm going to say... Uh, Girl, are you... Uh, yeah, I'm going uh, to say R. Kelly had us all fooled until, uh, <laughs> until we were no longer fooled. But in a school, absolutely not. If somebody plays on the... On the I'm going to go up there. I'm going to say... Yo, turn this shit off, man. Yeah, no, ignition or nothing. Ignition remix. Ignition remix. This the remix though. <laughs> Hiding fresh out the kitchen. My, okay, I'm not about to celebrate this thing. But 
along the lines of what he said, I mean, I said it earlier, off the air, and I'll say it again. <laughs> I said it off the air. <laughs> now I'll say it. Two things. One, R. Kelly is like a bag of chips. Uh-oh. You can't listen to one R. Kelly song and not listen to another one. But also, shout out to Usher because him and R. Kelly were not talking about the same girl. They were not. And they also, shout out to Usher <laughs> because. <laughs> nah, shout out to Usher because, you know, Usher kind of filled a void for us inside the 90s that we had missed when uh, after my boy dropped bad and we were just kind of waiting for the next. And yeah. Hello? I'll call your mic. I can see Agent M. <laughs> <laughs> he was the MJ. Shout out to so, Agent M. Yeah, shout out to Agent M. But uh not out. Thank for thank thank y'all for fucking tuning in. Um again we had Bruce here today. We probably gonna have him back. He's just fucking filled the role in perfectly. Um shout out Anderson, I miss you, brother. Uh, he was he wasn't actually. All, all I gotta fired, all I gotta say is, yo, for my nigga one time. And they got the juice underscore. <laughs> please, please say, say the underscore. The underscore. Yeah, please Andy. say the underscore, baby. You know, one time. We talking, about, we talking about the Puerto Rican Peter Griffin. We the, talking uh, about the, the, the uh, Borican Biggie Smalls. Borican Biggie Smalls. Little Pope. Little Pope. Yeah, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, Andy, uh, Andy was on vacation this past week. He's fucking pooped today. He's knocked. But uh, he'll be back with us. Probably going to get a shooting and shit sometime this week. Um, again, this is me, myself, Joe. Joe Sanders, 25. Follow me on all social media. Send me money, please, on Cash App. Venmo. Whatever the fuck y'all want to do. Hey, yo, Bruce, uh, what's uh, what's your social media? Yeah, Bruce, you want to go plug yourself? Nah, I'm not gonna avoid the social media thing for now. Hey, and that is but perfectly fine. Just he know, said shout out to his students. Yeah, that are listening. Shout, shout out to my students. <laughs> and uh, 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 in the words of D, shout out to myself. Did <laughs> <laughs> I really say that? Although <laughs> <laughs> D said, yo, shout out to Demetrius Williams. <laughs> hey, yo, fuck you. Hey, yo, shout out to Demetrius. Follow me on all social medias. That is Facebook at Demetrius Williams, my my regular name because I'm normal. And then follow me on Instagram at Joe's favorite name. V-I-S-1. A-R-Y? A-R-Y. Follow me on Instagram at Visionary. That is spelled V-I-S, the number one. A-R-Y. Y'all have a good week. Drink some fucking water with your bitch ass. And meditate, pop, baby. Let's get it. And time out. I don't smoke, but fucking roll a wood one Oh, yeah. Get yourself some backwards. Nah, we're on Bamboo and Frontal Leaf. That's what we're we're smoking gas masks this week. We'll hey, be back. Hey yo, listen to us on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts. Wherever y'all can find y'all. Have a good week. Take care, God bless. Yeah, yo, shout out to Bruce and his students one more time. Congratulations, my brother. Hey, appreciate it, man. I got it. Go hard, all year, on care. I'm going all in. This house vibes everywhere She calling more friends, my word or none Ain't lying, I cannot bargain Sipping Wakiyama, coming with Tatiana Hit me bust it down, no, y'all, y'all What kind of what you want it? Man, there's nothing on me I'm not being funny, y'all